Warning, this podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore. Previously on the Resident Evil podcast. This DLC was to close off the Winter Saga once and for all, but it almost felt like it was bookending the Mold Saga yep. as well. Titles, introduction, here's the call, we go home. They know how popular House Billy Rinto was, and so they thought, right, we're going to do it again. You've caught this stunt doubles. I don't know what the hell is going on in Capcom at the minute, but between burning cows and destroying cows in Welcome to Raccoon City, someone is aggrieved yes. on the Capcom side toward these bovine creatures. And she's managed to connect to Rose via her proximity to the Megamycete fragment and manipulator. But it's bollocks, bollocks. if you ask me. And welcome to episode 83 of the Resident Evil podcast, where the team have massively intertwining storylines, clones of Peter Fabiano causing law feuds, and a battle to end in a fleet of Master MX-5s. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, your Brazak for the day. Let's see who's joining us for this podcast. He's still lurking in Langshang, looking for that Mahara Desire connection. It's the Batman. Hello. About as successful as Ushtanak trying to manicure a hedgerow, it stars Tyrant. Hello. And finally, he's the product of gas being emitted from the multiple teats of a B.O.W. It's Rumby. How did I get the horrible one? <laughs> Coming up on today's end of season podcast. Oh, yes. And as our introduction alluded to, we are celebrating 10 Glorious years of Resident Evil 6. That's right. It's now a decade since this hugely important title was released to the world and 10 years since we covered it on the podcast. In fact, it was our first big release game that we reviewed back in 2012. So we now have the pleasure and joy of looking back on this game ourselves and seeing whether Capcom's most ambitious project holds up when we take that cynical eye back on this game. There's lots to discuss, including the improvements to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox versions um, that made to the base game over the PS3, accessibility, its scope, storyline, and generally, where does this title fit with the fan base 10 years on? We also have a look at the latest news, and of course, we finish with a season finale of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. So let's start with the news. First bit of news, and something we didn't cover too much last time was Reverse. Oh, yes. So Reverse has been released. It's now out and uh, available to all who wish to play. That's that's right. Uh, release has seen uh, the village map coming along with the Baker House RPD. Um, we've also got a host of legendary playable characters, including Tundra, Four Eyes. No, Four Eyes, wrong game. Uh, Tundra... <laughs> Um, Night Howl and many others. And we've got uh, there's some skins, Battlesuit Jill, and even or- uh, Operation yeah, Umbrella Chronicles Ada. Star Star and Ongla Goatee, you've been playing Reverse quite a lot, haven't you? Yeah, it's alright. 
It's all right. Um, look, let me just caveat. I, I know it's not great. I know it's not really like a, a proper representation of what you expect from Resident Evil experience. However, I enjoy playing it a lot because in my heyday, I used to enjoy a lot of arena-based shooters like Quake and Unreal Tournament. And so I'm just simply going in with the mindset that this is one of those games with a Resident Evil-themed pack. You know, it's basically a deathmatch arena shooter with the mutate mechanic. And you know what? For just five-minute sessions here and there, when you've got people you recognize, people who hunt you like death, thank you very much, I have a great time with it. It's good fun. Um, and, I, you know, when it's gone, I'll be, I'll be a little bit sad. I know it's not what people want, and I I, I totally empathise with that. But for me, it kind of works, and I, and I have a blast with it. So there we go. Yes, yeah, so I live very much vicariously through you uh, on on Twitch, and uh, your rivalry with Death Pursuer is 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 legendary now. I was going to say one of the things that um is nice to sort of celebrate with it, although it is a bit half-assed, if you like, is the fact that it is quite refreshing to see a game that collates some form of content even if it's just cosmetics from so many of the titles like this is the first game in how many years like in a single menu you can see the words umbrella chronicles umbrella core outbreak some of the costumes and the skins mercs 3ds uh you know mm. like hunks uh, grim reaper outfit which is one of the best sort of alternate costumes in the series it's it's got some some great little sort of throwback content in there which makes it all the more baffling. They're not really going all out and chucking in characters like Wesker and Carlos. I, I could sort of understand why the Hellmull squad are in there as playable characters because the game was released with Village, so it has that kind of connection. But as a 25-year celebration of the series, because obviously it was originally due to launch during the 25th anniversary, it, it kind of falls very flat for that. Um, it's more of a celebration of the RE engine years. Yes, very much so. I think Rob even alluded to that during the first beta, or when the artwork was first released. It was a dead giveaway because it was only the assets from the RE Engine game, and and that really should have been a signifier as to what the game was going to be like. But you know, it it is what it is. Robbie Batman had a had a what what go of it. Uh, I haven't played it yet. I've watched it though. It, it does look like you know fun, so I'd like to give it a go at some point. But as of this time, I have not tried it, so I can't comment. I have had a evening or two of attempting goes. I think there is definitely a lack of participants already. It's dwindling. Which is not doesn't make it easier. Sometimes you get lucky and you get a bunch of people that are on at the same time and you kind of get in the loop of playing with the same people for a while. Um, but then other times I have jumped on it and it's been a bit of a struggle to get that to go for a while. So that's a bit of a shame, and it is not a good sign for the longevity of it beyond their current planned. I don't mind it. Again, I'm I'm maybe not as enamoured as Sean is, but I do get the same idea. It is fine. I don't think it does anything inherently wrong or bad. It just it just it is exists and it's playable and it's fun for what little time it lasts. I think it's overly ambitious, everything that's behind it's kind of both stats upgrade wall and essentially pay upgrade wall is a bit of a shame, and a lot of the cooler skins are paid DLC um, yes. as well, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, it's fine. 
Uh, next bit of news, a quick one here. A new Tyrant plushie is coming out on the 20th of April this year from Item Lab. Made from recycled polyester, this soft teddy will set you back a staggering €35. Euros. Have you got anyone got the pre-order in for a Tyrant plushie? Stars? I've not even seen it, Nick. You'll have have to you not? <laughs> you don't oh. know. I'm bringing you the news. A Tyrant plushie. Let me type it into my browser now. This is live browsing. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> I think I'll pass, thanks. 35 euros, it's like 30 quid. It's just like a Funko, but with fabric. I'm alright, thanks. Yep, me too. Batman? Uh, it's not for, not for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> Infinite Darkness news. Oh, yes. Uh, when will it go? When will it end? Issue one of The Beginning, which is the name of the prequel manga, is now out at all good comic book shops. Reminder, though, folks, there's I think there's about four issues planned, and then there's the trade paperback, uh, which is due in September. Now, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I don't generally get the individual Star Wars comics. I wait for the trade paperbacks. that puts them all together in a nice, uh, you know, nice quality a binding, book binding, and it looks very nice on your shelf. But I know, uh, Batman, you've taken the plunge. You've got issue one. Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, it's set in 2006, presumably several days before the events of the uh, Netflix series. The plot centers around a bomb which detonates at the Carnegie Museum of Art in Pittsburgh, which kills a female security guard named Monica. Leon is called in because the explosive device used is the same as one used in one of his previous investigations where several suspects are still at large. Therefore, the FBI has asked him to assist because it's either the same group responsible for this bombing or the people that bombed the museum bought the device from them. Leon basically thinks it's an inside job and works with the local police and discovers a security guard at the museum named Mac Storm has faked his ID. Um, Leon recognises his picture as uh, a suspect from the previous case he was investigating. So he and a police detective go to this man's house and find the real Max Storm's body in a freezer. The suspect then returns as a shootout, but he ultimately gets away. The issue basically ends on a cliffhanger when the body of the female museum guard who died in the explosion is examined at the coroner's office and revives into a zombie. That was going to be my question. Uh, are there any zombies in this? <laughs> this didn't sound particularly biohazard related. Yeah, so just right at the end, and aside from Leon, there's nothing to tie this into the series. There's no other name drops. There's no organisation drops. There's uh, yeah, there's nothing at this stage. But it's it's quite interesting. You know, the artwork's pretty good. Some genius character names like Max Storm and Jamal Hawkins, Joseph Pascazzi. Right. But yeah, there's not really a lot to talk about. It's um, it's as simple as that, really. It's it's obviously just setting things up for the next issue, which I believe has got a tentative release date of February 8th. Do you think you're going to get all the individual ones just for your collection? Probably, yeah, because you can get alternate cover variants, and the artwork is, is very nice, as I said, actually. And it, I'm interested to see where it goes, um, and because and whenever people ask details of this previous case Leon was investigating, which I'm presuming is linked to bioterrorism in some ways, he just says it's classified. So I'm hoping there's going to be you know, some sort of ties to previous titles in the series or previous characters, but we'll just have to wait and see.
Okay, we now look at site news. As always, we'd like to give a big thank you to our new patrons, Merka, Arch Stanton, Stephen Hayward, and Ronald Weasley. Yes, yes, we, we're now mixing with the, with the Harry Potterverse. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon. Uh, if anyone's interested in joining, head over to our website. You'll find a link on the on the main page at the bottom or under the community tab and you can see what benefits you get first bit of main news you would have seen last month we released our resident evil damnation audio commentary oh yes that's right me and stars tyrant we buckled up we loaded up the blu-ray player and we had val tasso join us yes val tasso is the voice actor uh, for jd and we went through damnation from beginning to end watching it together and you can now download that listen to it however you listen to our podcast load up the film and um, you know hit play when we say hit play and then um, you'll get a really good commentary actually i was really pleased with it just the way you know val spoke very eloquently and you know uh, very interestingly about his stories and obviously he's such a big fan of the series and uh, i think he's delighted to, to, to get the role and he's still very passionate about it as well yeah, yeah, it was um, it was quite a unique experience actually doing it with someone involved with the production on that kind of level. I must admit, my knowledge of Damnation was lacking somewhat, so uh, it's safe to say I think you and I winged it on a few bits, didn't we? <laughs> and my voice completely failed through most of it. But um, I, it's the first time I'd seen Damnation in probably about ten years, and I, did, I enjoyed it a lot actually. I, I still rate it. Certainly, that final act I still think is. A series highlight, actually. I I think Damnation, it ain't bad. It no, it absolutely the the, the Tyrant Showdown is 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 brilliant and uh, works very well with RE6 actually, um, which we'll talk about a bit later on. Yeah, it's very hard to remember everything that happens in Damnation because there's a lot of backstabbing, there's a lot of you know people being a bit shady and who's working for who, and when we're watching it almost silently, it's <laughs> it's quite hard to keep up. But um, I th- I think it's still an interesting listen. So you can download and uh, and stream that as you see fit. Uh, next bit of news: Star Tyrant, do you like physical media? I think I've um, I think I've gone on record once or twice. Good. Do you like the Resident Evil show on Netflix? <coughs> no. <laughs> oh, what well, the answer was supposed to be yes, which means your your two dreams can be combined. Because if you go to our website, you can download uh, on our bonus features uh, tab. You can download. Uh, a custom Blu-ray cover for the Resident Evil Netflix show. If you're anything like me and lament streaming for not releasing things on physical media, well, you can get halfway there and download a cover for both PAL and NTSC regions. So, yes, you do like physical media and you do want to have that in your collection. Do you not? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that quote's on the back of the box, isn't it? Stars Tyrant says, yes. <laughs> That does conclude all the site news. <laughs> we now turn our attention to um, our 10-year anniversary celebration, if you will, of Resident Evil 6. How are you feeling? More games. Not quite. Just something I think you would benefit from knowing. What the hell is all this? None of these were here three days ago. Is this what you wanted to show me? C-Virus. 
what the gorillas were calling it. C-Virus. That must be what's creating those Juavo. What happened? Another bioterrorism attack. The BSAA confirmed it was the same one used in Eastern Europe six months ago called the C-Virus. Hunnigan, I need you to fake our deaths. Can you do that? What are you going to do? We're going to China. Sherry, what are you doing here? I'm on protective detail. Why are you here? I'm tracking the men behind all this. What? We met? Though you jarheads all look the same to me, pal. Sorry. You know, those shots of yours back one hell of a punch, lady. So, you're Wesker Jr. He lost me. Albert Wesker was a colossal imbecile. A fool who tried to destroy the world. He was also your father. Which makes you heir to a very special blood type. Here's something to remember you by. Put your gun down, Chris. She's a key witness. We need her. A witness? She's the one who did all this! Before we get going, we actually start with a call-in from one of our listeners. Hey guys, AJ here. Uh, just a quick question. Why are you guys doing this? <laughs> so, thank you, AJ, for that genuine, genuine call-in. Uh, a question. Well, AJ, amazingly, as I've mentioned at the beginning of the show, it is 10 years since we first loaded up Resident Evil 6 on either our PlayStation 3 or Xbox genuinely excited about what this ensemble piece of resident evil media will bring leon and chris in one game ada wong wesker's child the return of zombies a world world worldwide style outbreak what could possibly go wrong well as we know quite a lot the excitement soon evaporated that promise of survival horror about as accurate as netflix marketing department for its re show the era of bioterrorism and a grand connection to the wider law. Lies, deceptions, a game to end all Resident Evil games. Well, yes, it so nearly did. As I specified earlier, my opening in the original podcast, I despised this game upon release. There was so much to genuinely hate. The controls, the overly complex narrative, the stupid plot reveals, the HUD, the gunplay, the item management, the sheer length of the bloody game... The linearity, it was the literal embodiment of everything I personally do not like in a Resident Evil game. But what about now? What about ten years on? Have I and others mellowed somewhat? Now that I have been able to dabble in the multiplayer, is there some form of appreciation I can muster? One thing's for sure, I still don't like cucumbers, but what about the biggest Resident Evil game to date? In a word, no, I still find this the worst mainline RE released and one of the worst Resident Evil games of all time. And whilst I have seen some plot points, mainly thanks to our friends here with the multiplayer, I'll talk about that. The game continues to frustrate me more than anything else, and I take no joy in shitting on it. 
But I do feel, as George Trevor often says, this was a huge missed opportunity. Romby, 10 years on. Of course, this is the first time you've had a real good shot at talking about Resident Evil uh, 6 because you were not present for our first review. So we've, mm. uh, yeah, so this is interesting. So what about you? You've been dabbling in the game 10 years on. How, 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 where do you see this game fitting for you? I think inherently because I wasn't here 10 years to talk about it, I probably should frame what I thought when it released and what I think now comparatively. 10 years ago, I think I was very uncertain about the franchise as a whole. And 2012 as a year was not a particularly strong year of material, as you will undoubtedly remember. That said, though, I remember gleefully going down to the local game store to pick up a collector's edition and bring it back to my house. That collector's edition is still sat more or less unopened to this day, other than me taking the disc, the game set out of the box. I then proceeded to sit down and started playing the game and within five minutes was like, what the hell is this? The prologue that is required to be played was not at all what I was expecting. And the demo I had played prior, I think they put out two demos, had kind of given me a bit of a taste for it. But the opening thing was a little bit so overblown that I was like, well, this is nothing like the old horror which is why it was interesting to go then go back to Leon's campaign and go, okay, this is a bit more slower to the point where it's forcing you to walk. The preceding 30 hours after this, I went through various states to the final conclusion that basically Capcom had decided to throw everything in the kitchen sink into this game and not really properly thought about whether or not all the stuff needs to be in there. In a nutshell, 10 years later, I feel like that's still the case. However, some of the things that I perhaps were a little bit critical of, and I have to say as well, I finished the game on PS3 with a Platinum in a month or so in 2012. This was all pre-patch, so you couldn't change the camera position, you couldn't make the quick time events easier. The Simmons fight went on for what felt like four hours because they didn't make it easier yet. So I finished it when it was at its worst, and those things being reduced some of the things that I realized in hindsight that aren't as bad or are a bit more quirky and creative because they only exist in that game are, have held up better. I have to admit, I do have a little bit of fun sliding around on the ground, even, it's, even though it is absolutely absurdly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> some of the action sequences are fun for what they are, even if some of them are not. Yeah, there is a different difference in quality between each four of the protagonists and i think that shows i think i love the cutscenes and the acting i love the interconnectivity but then the actual gameplay is far too long and far too repetitive in places jake uh and sherry's one that seems to be the worst of the lot i think it's all the worst ideas you go from action to stealth to big gameplay mechanic shifts the game also has some absurdly specific bugs and very demanding sequences that unless you do them in a particular way they will not work especially on the harder difficulties and i'll come back to that later but yeah in general it's still a mixed bag and i think it is still my least favorite of the main titles but 
playing it again has given me a bit of a reappreciation of some of the things that I thought were worse than they were, and I, I think I ended up enjoying it, replaying it for the first time in about a decade properly, more than I expected. That's a very long-winded way to, <laughs> to kind of summarise, but, but I thought I'd better touch on both. Batman, what about you? Um, well, yeah, 10 years ago, my feelings were sort of very similar to what Rob's just said. It felt like Capcom didn't really know where to go, so they just threw the everything in the kitchen sink at it. My problems at the time as well stemmed from uh, I wasn't happy with the direction they took with the story. Um, you know, the Neo umbrella thing didn't work for me, and the whole plot centred on the twist with Ada Wong and Carla Radomir, which, remember, was um, infamously spoiled before the game came out, so that nullified a lot of the storyline right away. But 10 years later, um, I went back to this just this last week, and it's probably the first time I've played it in maybe four or five years. And going into it off the back of, of things like Village and Shadows of Rose, you know, where we're, we're used to dealing with vampire ladies and electromagnets and fishmen who like eating cheese and playing as dead men made of mold. It was nice to go back to some series stalwarts with like Chris and Leon and I'd forgotten really just how good the you know the the voice acting and the characterization is in this game. It's probably the first time in the series where the voice acting really did step up a notch and the character interactions are just really good. It's the characters themselves don't really have much of an arc from start to finish, which is a big letdown, but the individual moments and where they meet each other and the conversations they have, it's it's really good. I actually played the campaign separately for the first time as well, because even when the game first came out, I when I unlocked various chapters, I would stop it and play another character because I wanted to do it in, in as best a chronological order as I could. But this time, I played them separately. Um, I started off with Jake, which is a very trippy experience when you've not played it for a few years. But I have to say, I've, I've had fun. I really have. I think it's the game's clearly got problems from a technical level, and I'm still not happy with where the story ultimately went. But there is some nice world building in there. There's a lot of content in there which doesn't need to be in there. But I think I said this on the last podcast we did about Resident Evil 6. Somewhere in between all the chaff, there is like 10 to 12 hours of a really solid Resident Evil experience. So, yeah, I, I must say I enjoyed it a lot more than what I thought I would this time around. Star Star, you've always been a bit of a pro RE6 man. Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Let me just uh, let me let me just stop you there. Just one moment, please. One moment. <laughs> Except no, this isn't a remake three all over again. I'm not just drinking into despair this time. It's Resident Evil Six time, baby. <laughs> we finally made it. We've come full circle again. Yes. I, 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 yeah, I, I enjoy it, guys. I'm sorry. I do. I. I think at times it's wicked fun. I'm not saying it's any good at all, and I think every, you guys have touched upon like all the flaws. I don't need to repeat them because it is a game that I, 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 you know, equally describe as fun and every bit as nonsense as well. Like the entire game is just utter nonsense from start to finish, with some of the worst vehicle sections you've ever seen in a video game. Um, some of the most ridiculous, over-the-top set pieces. I mean. Can you imagine that this is the same series where we were skulking around a quiet mansion in the woods, desperately hunting for that ink ribbon to save the fucking game, and now we're climbing on the back of 40-foot-high BOWs, pulling bits off it, jamming it back into them, and it's just nonsense. And I kind of love the fact that the series got there. In retrospect now, looking back on it 10 years later, I always sort of make peace with things fairly quickly. I don't tend to 
to dwell. So I don't have the outrage that I know some people still have toward it. I've kind of like it's water under the bridge now, and I've and I try and look at things for what they are as opposed to what they weren't because I just think it's a lot more of a positive place to be. And what I will say about six is as much as I enjoy all like the shooting mechanics, the sliding is uh, industry leading. I'm pleased Capcom got there and I'm pleased they got it out of their system because what it showed was despite the fact that it was a it, it sold very, very well and still continues to sell pretty well now for some reason, it shows that Capcom listened. It shows that they listened to the critical reception it had, but more importantly, listened to what the actual fans were saying at the time because the fans did reject it quite heavily. And through that rejection, they got, for me, one of the finest hours we've ever had, which is Resident Evil 7. And one of the things I said in the Resident Evil 4 retrospective we did some three years ago now was, sometimes when you go in across a 20, 25-year-long journey, you have to embrace your mistakes as well. And like I said about Resident Evil 4, you know, as much as I, you know, we celebrated that game for what it did for the video game industry, for what it did for Resident Evil was quite harmful in terms of its story and law building and that. Six is similar in that, but I'm pleased we got there because we got Resident Evil 7 as a result of it. And you have to, in, you have to embrace those mistakes to get to something better. And I think if Resident Evil 6 had been critically well received and the fans loved it and kept telling Capcom, we want more of this, more of this, please, we'd have never got the Resident Evil 7 we did. And we'd have never got the Resident Evil 2 remake we did. Imagine what Resident Evil 2 remake would have been like, ladies and gentlemen if Resident Evil 6 was widely embraced by the fans, what kind of game would that have shaped into? If, Res if it was like using like Resident Evil 6 as its template. And, mm. uh, and I think we have to look back on it with a sort of sense of not necessarily admiration, but acceptance that, you know, it, it did some things that, that made a change for better. And I'll always appreciate it for that. And on, on top of that, um, John just said about like the characterization is absolutely top notch. It has some of the character interactions are some of my favorite moments in the series. And I'll celebrate it till the end of time. This was a great return of Sherry Birkin. I think that's a really important point, though. With you know now we we can we can look back on it, which we couldn't do when we reviewed it. You make the point that without it, we wouldn't have got Resident Evil Seven, which was very much the the second soft reboot of the Biohazard series, with RE4 being the first one. What I've started to notice in the community when Seven came out and was generally, you know, liked by quite a lot of the fans, although it changed a lot and it, you know, wasn't 100% approved, should we say, it made people comment, as you say, Sean, that the, you know, because we had Resident Evil 6, the, the biggest the game had ever been. It was almost on like the Anderson movie level of the kind of worldwide hell breaking loose across the world type scenario. And then they just brought it right back down to a plantation in Dolby. Basically, you know, remade Resident Evil 1. But then I've seen people starting to go, oh, it's not, it's not that bad. You know, and people have gone back and the NHA continues to sell quite well. On, on the old PlayStation system. It helps that Capcom put it on the old, you know, put on sale quite a lot. So, and it's part of triple packs and bundles and whatnot, but it, it still sells well. And you can start to see that little murmurings on Twitter and other social media platforms of people going, oh, it's not, it's not that bad. And, you know, and people that don't perhaps like Village or perhaps don't like the direction of Seven go, well, at least, at least we had zombies in RE6, you know, and then people go, yeah, but we had, tyrannosaurus rex simmons and you go yeah but you know we you know we we had zombie dogs and zombies and you know the, yeah the chainsaw people that was all good you know and you, and you can start seeing people get you know yeah 
you know, li- little things, and it's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. We've seen it with Orc, and we, you know, seen it with RE6. And un- unless um, Capcom do like a massive sort of Avengers Endgame style title where everybody comes back for a big battle, that's the closest you're going to see to a complete ensemble mm. of the core cast. And it may never come round again because obviously the the story is adapted and changed a lot since then. But I think that's possibly where RE6 gets a lot of its goodwill from because. Even though people have a lot of issues with it, they are keen to see the likes of Chris and Leon meet face to face for the first time in the series. You know, characters like Sherry coming back. There was a lot of callbacks to previous games. Mm. So you have to sort of, Capcom have to rely on the goodwill of the fans a lot for this game. I'm with Nick there as well. Like, I do see a lot of comments where, you know, people were saying, oh, six is such an underrated title. And you conversely, quite often people will say, four is overrated, six is better than everyone says, blah, blah. Like, it is a quite, quite a common thread these days. And, I, you know, revisiting it, I can kind of, I can kind of see why people would say that. I mean, I don't personally agree, but <laughs> I can see why. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things you have to appreciate is that to some Resident Evil fans, and they're not, they're not wrong for saying this, they approach the series from a different, um, a different perspective, that it's not Resident Evil unless it has the core cast and things like that in it, and, and some mainstays. So as much as, like, we all, particularly on this podcast, say, like, Resident Evil 7 to us was a sort of perfect throwback to that original game because it has, you know, an old house, save rooms and item boxes and, and things like that. Because it was a, a basically a soft reboot with a, a faceless character, there's a lot of the community, and like I say, it's not, they're not wrong for this, who, who don't embrace Resident Evil 7 and Village because they want more of your Chris's and your Leon's and your Ada's and things like that. And that's fine, you know. And Resident Evil 6 gives you a piece of that. Yeah. And I think when you've had something like 7 come along, which is such a reset, which is such a reboot, you go, oh, I'm actually going to cling on to something that is familiar. Although I'm not saying 6 is familiar to long-time fans as such, it still has enough of those things about it that people latch onto, like... You know, even if it's just the case of hearing, you know, familiar voice actors again or certain things, certain scenes, and it has its place. I think that certainly influenced my opinion this time around because, like I said before, coming back to this, playing a lot of Village and Seven, and this isn't a criticism of them at all, but because they are quite standalone with sort of loose references and a lot of brand new content, it's, you know, it was nice to revisit these particular classic characters and some of these more traditional themes. I think if I'd gone into this playthrough off the back of playing a lot of Resident Evil 2 and, and Remake 1, I probably wouldn't have felt as positive as I do, if that makes sense. Mm. I, I'm I'm going back to my old standby, and Sean quotes this too, which is that you know, Resident Evil is whatever it is for whoever it is. And 6 is a perfect example of that, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's, it's, it's all in everything for whoever it wants to be and six is like the the biggest outlier in that regard because it's such a it is such a departure i think regardless of whether you like it or don't like it you can definitely say it's different for, for good or bad depending on how your view is but that still is part of the franchise we have to accept that fact and that's the only thing i can say for people who perhaps like some franchise and and, and for lack of a term shit on others to remember this you know to remember that there if you don't like remake two if you don't like village or you don't like seven or you don't like six you know well great cool appreciate your opinion on on that but you can go and play outbreak you can go play remake one you can go play village if you don't like six or you can play six if you don't like 
or whatever, you know, just just play the ones that you like because you've got choices. Go play Operation Raccoon City if that's your, your, your deal, you know. I must say I can't understand, and this isn't pointing a finger at anybody, but I can't understand the outrage that still exists for 10-year-old titles. If you're not over it by now, like what Resident Evil 6 did, and there's no words of comfort I can give you. I'll give people benefit for the doubt. If they've never played it before, and then they this is the yeah. first time they've played it, and they come out of it and go, oh, that was horrible. That's absolutely fine, yeah, but... Totally understandable, because it's the experience you've just had. But if you're still sitting there years later and still moaning about the same old thing, it's like, well, hang on. You can't be fully hating everything, or else you wouldn't still be here. There's got to be stuff you're enjoying about it. Unfortunately, these missteps are, are why there is, I think, such a push to have so many remakes. Mm. I think I think a lot of people see these remakes as an opportunity to fix problems. And personally, I hate that because it goes against that mindset of you know embracing your mistakes and learning from them. I don't like the fact that you can just go back and fix them. It's not even just that it's um, going back and fixing it, but it's also still a level of comfortable familiarity. Fixing minor things, but still feels safe. We know where the story's kind of going to go. And it's only going to supposedly improve things. Yeah, I, I get that. But it does. It's that joke you've made, you know, when, when all of a sudden we'll get Remake 5 and 6 and 7. Like, when does it stop? <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, there's there's still a bit of disappointment. We'll kind of touch on the storyline, I think, now, you know, 10 years on. At the time, 6 was, you know, and I suppose even now it's considered the action trilogy, the end of the action trilogy, if you like. But it, it's completely unconnected, really, to RE4 and 5. There's no Plagas involved. And, you know, we've got the new C-Virus, which is the, you know, the magical C-Virus. And we've got a couple of new characters. So at the time, it felt a little uneven in terms of uh, that direct continuation of 4 and 5 because of the lack of Plagas and things like that. It felt on its own. And time has not helped this game in terms of the storyline. You can skip it. I'm not sure it adds that much to the overall storyline. Neo Umbrella is a, still a terrible idea. The whole game hinges upon let's have Chris and Leon go after the same person. I mean, for people who don't know, that is the core thing that started the whole concept. The, the artwork, an artwork design of the two of them pointing guns at each other. Exactly. But even now, you know, 10 years on, you go, well, you know, perhaps a bit like 4 at the time felt on its own. It almost felt like a, you know, a spin-off more so than mainline. But I said time has been helpful for RE4 from a storyline point of view, it, you know, with, with a lot of the additions and, the, you know, the Plagas being used in Damnation and then in 5 and all sorts of things. Even I think it's mentioned the Los Illuminados get mentioned in Vendetta as well, aren't they? 6, it's just like it has been forgotten. Helen has not appeared again. Jake, you know, a really important character. Let's let's just remember who he is. Just been ignored. You know, he hasn't rocked up at all, hasn't been mentioned in anything. And so it does still feel like this outlier of a game, even though it's mainline. I think the worst part of it is the fact, and we've talked about this before, is that it's because you had a one-and-done villain. You had you mm. didn't have an arc of a story. You had this outbreaks, or outbreaks as it was, that are all interconnected. But the, the person in charge and the organize, organization that is involved is all one and done. So you have no further intrigue in that regard. So there's no reason to sequelize it. So a lot of the characters involved have no reason to come back unless you decide to. Whereas if you had unaddressed plot threads, you would have more incentive to bring those characters back. 
I think that's just the simplest answer for it. And, and it's a problem that the franchise has continued to struggle with since the removal of Wesker at the end of five. No, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think that's right. That it certainly, it certainly doesn't help. John? I was personally disappointed at the time because we were spoiled with Resident Evil 5 in terms of the lengths they went to to tie up certain plot lines and explain mm. things, you know, in terms of the original game's characters and, and that arc with Umbrella and Spencer and Wesker, etc. And I, I think a lot of people at the time expected Resident Evil 6 to do the same with the Resident Evil 2 arc, you know, the links to Raccoon City and the government. The game's trailers teased that we'd finally find out what Ada Wong's motives were all this time. You know, things like that, and and the elusive this neo umbrella is this is this the famous rival company or umbrella's resurrection that Resident Evil Four was hinting at, and it just turned out to be nothing, didn't it? Because we didn't learn anything else about Ada Neo Umbrella. There was no link at all to Umbrella. They just used that name just to scare people. Um, it was just a terrorist organization, and yeah, like you say, Nick, the plot is entirely forgettable. But it, it's it's full of. I mean, nobody liked the idea of um, Jake Miller being Wesker's son, a character which is which is far more entertaining, I'll say, than than he's got any right to be, really, because the the idea behind him is just ridiculous. But he is such a good character in the game, I think, anyway. But yeah, we just we just don't learn anything, and obviously, it didn't help with other weird decisions they made like removing the files from the game because it takes away that exploration element and sort of working out the plot as you go along instead now you've got to finish the level and go back to a sub menu and and read and and even then the files were were missing most of the key information which was only available on re.net yeah and you had to you had to shoot those emblems to get the files too so if you didn't go around hunting for them yeah, it, it's just it's, it was just a ridiculous decision, which I'm glad they've never repeated since. But but yeah, that was that, that was the disappointing thing. It's just it, a game that's got it brings all the characters together. It's it's progressed on themes the series was hinting at for ages, like using BOWs in a warfare situation, and it just yeah, it just it just amounted to nothing. Like playing Leon's campaign, the first three chapters do build up quite an intriguing mystery. And then within the space of half an hour, you go from being on a plane uh, of U.S. government agents, don't know how that works when you're supposed to have faked your death, to Simmons getting injected. And then you're fighting uh, like a, I don't know what he is, some sort of lion on on a train track. (laughs) (laughs) Answers on a postcard. Yeah. (laughs) It's just bizarre. I was just going to say, I just want to take a brief moment, because this will be the only time it comes up naturally, to just uh, mourn the uh, abandoned storyline that they did at the time, which for people who aren't aware, the big reveal of Resident Evil 6 was that every single Ada we'd seen previously was a unique clone, and we were going to finally meet the real Ada in RE6. I I think a lot of people often joke about the fact that if they did this or something, I'm out, I'm done, and whatever. I will be honest, that would have been a plot thread that I'd have found very hard to come back from. <laughs> um, so I am pleased they abandoned it. There is an interview where you can actually, um, I can't remember which uh, developer it is who, who actually talks about how they uh, had this very early idea, which obviously became the Carla Radame plot. But yeah, I mean, imagine, I mean, how, how I don't know how people would have felt if, you know, the, the RE2 Ada was different to the RE4 Ada, and oh my God, it just would have been diabolical. Yeah, it was very controversial. They also had another idea of bringing Wesker back as well, but they couldn't think of a realistic way to do it, so they didn't bother. They just went with a, a T-Rex dinosaur instead. <laughs> can we can we stick with that sensibility? Thank you. 
Let's, let's do that. I think a lot of people who are invested a lot in the storyline beforehand was, you know, as John mentioned, the, the intrigue about the US government's involvement. If you're, if you play the games, you, you only get little hints of it. You know, Birkin, I think, mentions in a couple of files that he's going to defect, doesn't he, to the US government, take the G virus with him. And, you know, you see the spec ops in the, in, in the dead factory. But they've always been, you know, oh, nothing major. And it's interesting because, like, Infinite Darkness is now really pulling on those kind of, like, you know, plot points. So a lot of people that were aware of, you know, the U.S. government not being, you know, they are Umbrella's big uh, main, you know, you know customer. It, there was that potential, wasn't there, of, you know, with Simmons kind of being added in, you know, is this, a, is this the big baddie, you know, is this the... You know, solid as snake type you know character that they, they they could have introduced and had a bit more longevity with than um, perhaps what we did it was a shame that he was um killed off but interestingly you know the whole point with ada they, they've really big data up and you said we have multiple kind of clone ada storyline and that obviously morphed into the carla radame that is still a weird plot point you just got to take it at face value that simmons just becomes obsessed with ada because I, I I don't know why he just does, you know, and we, therefore we must make a a clone of her. Yeah, it it just it, their relationship just came across as really forced. It was like mm. it was like oh, we need to link Ada to Simmons somehow. But we we don't know how to do it because let's be honest, we don't know what we're doing with Ada. Um, mm. so yeah, let's just let's just make some sort of infatuation plot line. And yeah, it just didn't work at all. And it's a shame, but it's a shame it was spoiled before the game came out because. When you play Leon's campaign and you get to the lab and you find that videotape where she's essentially being born, you know, if you if you didn't already know what the crack was, I could imagine, you know, that would have been quite impactful at the time. Thinking, oh, all this time Ada's just been some sort of B.O.W. Yeah, uh, that's what I was about to say. It's ironic that, that Sean brought up the whole thing about, you know, the, the clones thing and then all of a sudden that could have been where it actually went because if you didn't know better. It is one of those things that would probably hold up right through the game until you actually played Ada's campaign mm. because, of course, back when the game was originally released, you couldn't play that before uh, unlocking the others. You had to finish the other three stories before you could play it. So You could have got some interesting debates and discussions if they'd done it almost like Revelations 2. Oh, that's how Ada survived the fall in Raccoon City. She was a B.O.W. all along. You know, because there could have been uh, some discussion points. So, yeah, for me, as I said, for me, I, I, still struggle with, I still struggle with that particular element. And I don't think time has been particularly kind to it. What about the, the general overlapping system? Almost like, like a TV show, isn't it? It's like an episode of Lost with that happening there and that happening there and, you know, trying to, you know, cliffhanger of the week type scenario i think that's one of its stronger points it's it's the same thing that kind of um both john and sean have kind of alluded to in their discussion which is that the the, the series like the writing and the interconnectivity of the characters and the, the way they interact is probably some of the strongest it's just unfortunately in service of a lot of padding and a lot of silly ideas going back to it it was one of those i forgot you know there was moments where i was like i'd forgotten this had even happened not in a bad way, but just like, oh yeah, there was that connection between these two, and this is when the other character, oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course. And and I guess on that same level of like Ada's campaign, it's quite cool 
that some of her moments are literally during the other event sometimes and you get to see what's kind of going on as well and mm. bits that kind of may or may not have made as much sense in the previous you know, playthroughs of those characters kind of all start to tie together so in those perspectives it's really cool but again it still doesn't solve the plotting problems i guess yeah it's it's fun when you know these crossovers crossovers happen you can look for where the other party is in the background like when you're playing as jake and sherry for example when you're fighting the organic chainsaw thing on the barge you can look up at the crane and you can see like ada's silhouette standing up standing there you know which is good and things like i'd forgotten this particular bit where you, leon lock, knocks the leopard titsa out of the plane and then obviously it lands in the marketplace and when you later play as ada it's released its gas and re and generated all the zombies so you obviously kill the zombies as ada and then later when you play as jake you go through and you see all the zombie bodies and and sherry says oh it smells like death or something so you know it's it's really clever all the little yeah interconnectivity mm. as rob says but ultimately that just adds to the disappointment because it it just doesn't really lead anywhere you know it's just basic it's just a basic revenge plot carla adame is essentially the joker she, you know she just wants to destroy the world through anarchy and, and chaos over revenge against derek simmons who is a really good character he's but i've forgotten that he's barely in this he's only in a few cut scenes but he's got such a presence and yeah, I just I don't know why they had to kill him off straight away. You imagine where you know if they'd kept him alive and had him in a few other games, where he would be now, like ten years down the line, it, it could have been just as infamous as Wesker. Yeah, he re he really should have been the the mainstay villain going forward. Absolutely. Well, they could they could have done anything. He could have been you know expelled from the U.S. government, and then oh lo and behold, sets up the connections or something like that. Throwback to the Alex Wesker theories. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. He was, that was a big one. We all thought he was potentially Alex, didn't we? Yes, we we did. Yes, the Neo Umbrella thing was a huge misfire as well, because mm. it obviously got people talking, thinking, "Oh, you know, this is going to be a major. Is it a revival of the original corporation? Is it the re rival company? You know, it it was hinted at to be a massive plot point, and it was ironically very similar to what happened in Village when they showed the umbrella symbol. It turned out to be ultimately nothing at all and it, it obviously creates a plot hole well not a plot hole but a prop, plot problem i should say because we now have blue umbrella yeah i was gonna say it kind of undermines a little bit about the yeah the, the actual umbrella revival which is kind of going on between seven and eight yeah and umbre blue umbrella was formed in 2007 and neo umbrella was formed in 2010 and the whole point behind the neo umbrella name was to sort of terrify people that umbrella were back and you know they were going to cause all kinds of shit when they've actually already been back for three years it's, <laughs> it's yeah it's created an issue and I'm, I'm surprised the writers didn't pick up on that when when they came up with the blue umbrella idea to be honest the other thing for me is a lot of little inconsistencies and that's a perfect example of one and you also mentioned another one before about leon and Lena on that plane it's like how do they get on the plane because the last thing we'd left them at they were basically wanted members and then all of a sudden they're on a plane going to china with no explanation and like there's just lots of little things like this throughout the entire game it's just like for all these little great moments there's all these weird leaps and yeah. coincidental logics and and yeah i just and that you, you just some you summed up exactly what i was going to say kind of in the example of the neo umbrella thing it, it, I said, it doesn't help that 
we we haven't really seen anything of Jake ever since. Um, the, you know, you get a nice little kind of epilogue with him, don't you, at the end with mm, when you finished all four of the the narratives, you get the extra epilogue. Mm, and it's you know it's kind of hinting at oh you know he's going to be a big character. And I'd lo- I'd love to see him back. I, I agree with John. I I think I said it in the in our original podcast. I thought Jake was probably one of the best characters in the game. I really enjoy, and I thought I'd hate him. But yeah. I, actually, I actually thought he was quite cool and r- very well acted. Yeah, I just think it's the Troy Baker effect. Is it just Troy? <laughs> Another reason why Jake works is because he's got a perfect foil in Sherry. Yeah, I think I think those scenes mm-hmm. together where she's sort of chewing him up for the way he's behaving and things. I think I think that really works. You can blame your father all you want, but at some point, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. I think it, it makes Sherry all the more great a character, but it also it also helps it sort of expand, you know, Jake's sort of trauma. And I, I do think, like you know, like we've alluded to at the beginning, the characterization and whatnot is genuinely good in this. Yeah, he's no right to be as good as he is, and and that cut scene, that particular cut scene where they're in the cabin in the snowstorm, and she's telling him about what happened in Raccoon City and why she trusts Leon and Claire. You know, that that sort of stuff is superb. By the time he died, his body had mutated so much, he wasn't even recognizable. Sorry, I didn't didn't mean to... That's all right. Besides, I didn't walk out of it empty-handed. Yeah, you got superpowers. That's not what I meant. The people who saved me, Leon and Claire, are the closest friends I've ever had. Claire is a BSAA guy's sister, right? They risked their lives for me back in Raccoon City. I guess I'm still just trying to live up to their example. Never giving up, no matter the odds. I also think, sadly, from a kind of negative point of view, the decision to—I say not kill off Chris because I don't think that—I don't think they necessarily need to kill off Chris. But they did need to pass the baton. The whole game was leading to it. You got Sherry and Jake, the new kids on the block, and Pierce. Pierce is sensational in this game. I think you know his his arc. I think he's got a little bit of an arc, John. I, I know. I know it's not very you know, but it, it's all about him taking that kind of leadership role, making those key decisions, and you know, bringing Chris back into the fold. I was devastated that they killed him off. The whole game was leading up to him you know, being the new people. And again, time has been cruel because I think, you know, we keep going back to Chris. I mean, how old's Chris now? 48 in Village. 48, you know, he can't keep doing this shit. He can't keep, you know, parachuting in and taking out monsters like he's, you know, we need we need some young, you know, some younger, fresh blood to take the series forward. We can't keep relying on on the big four. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting Chris should have been killed off, no. but it would have been interesting if he had retired and Pierce had survived. And I think it would have been nice if, if Redfield in seven was Pierce, and even if Pierce was leading the Houndwolf squad, because if you take away Resident Evil Vendetta, Chris has just really had glorified cameos, really. It actually would have been a reason to bring him back into Village because the threat was so massive that he had helped him involve tracking what was happening on in the events of the game. I mean, that would have been a nice little twist. 
Because we did all think, didn't we, that the future of the series was going to be Sherry, Jake, Pierce, you know, like the next generation sort of thing. And as you've mentioned before, we've now got, like, you know, Jake is C-virus-powered, yeah. Sherry's G-virus-powered, Rose is mold-powered, Manuela, if they really wanted to, is T-virus-powered, yeah. T-veronica-powered. It is, it's, it's, it is going into X-Men territory, but, and I genuinely do think Capcom wanted to go down that road, but they've just obviously realised that people are so enamoured with these classic characters, you know, oh, we want, we want Jill back, you know, the sort of, they've, they've got their hands tied in some respects. You know, Leon's so huge in Japan, as we know, and... Yeah, so that's yeah. ultimately why they keep coming back. And they will continue to keep coming back. I mean, I'll be very surprised if we don't see Leon and uh, and Jill, well, especially Jill, in the next title. To be honest, even though they're at, they are all approaching like fifty years old. Now. <laughs> it's good, yeah. They they, they they are getting on. Before we talk about more of the gameplay elements, how that's held up, I just wanted to uh, pick your brains, John, just about the C virus, and obviously people can you know comment as well. Again, a bit like the kind of plot, the plot, and you know, the old kind of Neo Umbrella. This is another plot point I think doesn't hold up. We've had a couple of, they're not viruses, but the mold is now very much a storyline virus. It, it does what it needs to do to, you know, we, we, we need a boss that does this. Okay, well, the mold can do it. Whatever it needs to do. The C-Virus is very much the first, uh, I'd say, you know, viral agent that did that could do whatever it wanted. There's kind of two elements, wasn't there? As the, the gas version that turned them into zombies, but didn't spread the virus. And then there was the the CMS, the uh, complete mutation species, which were the ones that come come out of the cocoon, and they could literally do whatever you needed them to do, whether that be the Haos or the uh, Ogreman, Brazak, whatever. They were all based on humans, add a bit of DNA of something else. And I don't necessarily mind it as such, because, I mean, the C-Virus, John, it, it's, isn't it G and T, Veronica, but the Manuela version? Yeah, it's a, it's a modified strain of T, Veronica called TO2, um, which Carla Adam is, um, basically created, that completely negated the, the virus rejection problem um, that plagued, obviously, Alexander Ashford in Code Veronica, and obviously the G-Virus as well. It's a difficult one. I mean, I I personally think Capcom brought back zombies in this game because people were desperate to see the zombies return after several years of like Las Plagas. I don't necessarily. I mean, I could be wrong, but I I don't necessarily think Capcom wanted to include zombies in this. I just think people were desperate for them to come back because I don't like the gas. You know, the gas that causes people to turn into zombies. But I do like the complete mutation species. And from a law point of view, I, I actually think the Juavo uh, amongst the very best enemies in the series, because yeah. you know the basic concept behind the T virus was to create a, a human-based biological weapon that would would actively seek out and infect other people. But obviously, you had problems with brain cell necrosis; it couldn't follow orders, etc. And the same with the Plaga, really. Even though the Plaga was better in terms of being able to control the subject, you were still at, at risk of like extreme runaway mutation. Whereas the C virus, when it creates a Juavo, you know, it keeps them realistically human. Yes, they develop some facial mutations, but they also retain enough intelligence to, you know, cover these mutations with masks so they look human. Juavo are programmed automatically to keep following the same orders that were programmed prior to infection. So that's why you get the Juavo soldiers fighting the Adonian civil war. They'll still fight for the mercenaries even after they've been infected. 
because that's what they were used to. Likewise, all agents of Neo Umbrella, once they were infected and became Joavo, they would still be loyal to Neo Umbrella. But I like Joavo because they can be controlled, they're intelligent, they're fast. They remember the prior training, which is why they can handle firearms and drive vehicles. And obviously, if they sustain enough damage, they can harden into a chrysalid and be reborn as a completely different VOW. So purely from a law point of view, I think, you know, they are very, very effective. And they could mutate as well, depending on injuries, like to the arm, they become yeah. the... But was that, do we, uh, 10 years on, do we actually know if it's still random or was it pre-programmed? I think we, we had a go on the multiplayer. I think it is, Nick. Yeah. Like, if you take take their arms off or whatever, they get the, you know, the arm mutation and things like that and destroy their legs. They sometimes become like the spider one or whatever. And Yeah, I was going to say, I've had ones where I've shot one arm off and the one arm's changed and then I've shot the other arm off and they've ended up with two long arms sometimes. That's an, that's an that's an impressive feature. Then that it it can be that random uh, with it with it within the game. Right. Let's talk about then the the general gameplay and how how does that hold up after ten years? Because this is where I think the game really does falter a bit for me personally. I actually think this game was one of the hardest to go back to playing. I think the the RE engine has perfected playing an RE game, if you like, with that kind of over the shoulder look, you know, feeling. And I I, I struggle a bit with the, with the controls more so than I know some people complain sometimes it's hard to pick up the tank controls. That's just in my muscle memory. I could, I, I could do it with my eyes closed, but there's something about this game when you if you haven't played it for a while, it takes a good amount of time to get used to the controls. Up uh, for me personally, and. I've often said about the number of buttons and mechanics this game has that I just can't be dealing with. And I find it very fluid. I think it's probably the best ter um, term to use. It's very smooth. It doesn't feel a lot of resistance for the characters running around. It just, it, it, they're kind of gliding around, sliding around as, uh, as we like, which is, a, you know, which is a fun mechanic, but I, I personally struggle with, with it. Sean, you, you obviously like enjoy the, the, the sliding elements. The sliding, the dodging, the quick shots, everything about it just leads to a glorious bullet ballet of glory. <laughs> it, come on, it, it, if there's one thing I can say it does right, it's like the shooting mechanics and the dodging and all that. Uh, you know, it, it is very well done. It does it so well, it's better than many apparent dedicated shooters. It controls a bit janky, sure, I get that, but it's it, it's so much fun when you actually become locked in and, and like zoned in with how the combat works i think people have a lot of fun with it the only thing i would i would you know truly say is that the inventory is absolutely diabolically bad the picking up of herbs to then have to reload reload them into a a pill popping machine in your pocket um and then and then you can heal i mean i know there is actually a quick way of doing it i can't can't remember the command but there's a button you, there's a combination of buttons you can press which will it instantly convert your herbs into pills so you don't actually have to go into the inventory and do it but it's still a nonsense mechanic because sometimes you'll just instinctively pick up a herb and think you've got it ready as a pill to go hmm. and and you haven't because you haven't loaded it into your uh your pez dispenser it's nonsense I'm, I'm, i'll never ever say like this is perfect this game because there's a lot of problems with it I still haven't figured out the inventory after 10 years. I was try I had like three first aid sprays in my inventory. I was like, how the fuck do you use them? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You don't know. 
down on the D-pad and then select, which then your character holds it, and then you use the button, action button. It's such so convoluted. Yeah, the, yeah, the controls and the movements don't feel quite... I think they feel over-fluid, to be mm. honest, um, compared to the likes of Resident Evil 5. And it, it really puts me off, like, the exaggerated running movements of the characters as well. The thing about that I don't get is, like, so you've got lower walls that you can hop over. It's like, great, because you come to them, and if you're walking at them then you have to hop over them but if you're holding the run button the character automatically runs over the top of them but then it is exaggerated and then it's not always it's not perfect because sometimes you'll be sprinting and all of a sudden the character just grinds to a halt and then just goes oh wait hang on there's a barrier here now you have to push a button for me the most egregious example of this is the river segment with chris and piers and you're running from the helicopter and there's all those barges and you have to go left and right and then some enemies jump out of the water and you have to kind of either take them out or run around them. I must have run through that gauntlet for like 10 times and it would just, all of a sudden, I'd be in the middle of a boat and the boat would just fall out from doing it. It's like, oh, game over. And it's because I'm fighting with these controls going left. I was outrunning the AI and sometimes I'd still fall into the water. Like it would just, the game would just go, right, yep, no, you didn't make it fast enough. The other thing that I'm going to moan about, and it is a moan, that plenty of people made release and we'll never not moan about it is twiddling the damn sticks. <laughs> oh my God. There's a song. There's a Resident Evil 6 song, isn't there? Yeah. Just hammer the yeah, buttons it's... and wiggle the sticks. That's sticks. it. Yeah. Hammer the buttons and wiggle the sticks, blah, blah, blah. Resident Evil 6. It's the most egregious one I've found. I mean, there's a bunch of them, but I think the worst, again, professional, the ice caves jake and cherry trying to go through four or five doors while eustonac is trying to if you don't literally put your hands on as a palm on your sticks and rotate them together like you're rubbing your hands together so you've got one hand holding the controller underneath flat and your other hand on top rolling the sticks that's the only way to finish it you cannot physically that you can you can be as fast as possible and literally on the last door, the AI is so slow getting to the doorway that they will get hit and grabbed and that's game over on the last door every time flawlessly. I got as fast as I could until I remembered, oh, that's right, you're supposed to use the palm of your freaking hand. And that was the only way I could get through it. Honestly, it's insane. I could make a montage. I saved the gameplay of me playing it on, on the PS4 the number of times I died, I should honestly put a montage together of the number of times just from, from me trying to do it without the, the palm thing. It's insane. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that section there, Rob, as well, has the glorious running toward camera section away from Ustanak, and you're supposed to know when to do the slide to take you through a very small crevice that you can't see because you're running toward it. And then if you slide it too late, you'll just smack into the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I died on that about twice before remembering just to slide early because you just slide on the ice. Let's be honest, that whole section of the game, that ice caves thing, is probably the worst of the entire game. I will say this, the little bit that leads up to it as well, the, um, the snowmobile, oh. I don't actually think was ever tested in a Q&A session because it is just mind-boggling how terrible that section is. And, and this is why Jake and Sherry's, like, actual whole segment, I think, is the worst of the four. It's like, it feels like the most rushed. 
not very well tested, not very well planned, and literally let's just throw every and all ideas into it as we can. I think this first section of that game is okay. Like the the, the start of it is fine. But then once you get past the snows, that that cabin section, it all just kind of goes to shit. And fuck that, fuck that ice river as well. When you get shot by the sniper and you slide for like three miles down that fucking <laughs> river. <laughs> One of the most frustrating things about um, Sherry and Jake's um, campaign is that level three, chapter three, is probably the closest the game ever gets to having like a central area and like branching rooms and items to find and things like that. And then you get chased by like uh, a tank in another running towards sequence, you know, just my God. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, you're, you're supposed to go left when it goes right or right. It's so unobvious at first that what you just, you just die and you're like, what do I, it's a freaking tank. Of course I'm going to get blown up. What are you talking about? Like, it's like, oh no, you just go left and it fires right. So fine. You'll be all right. Don't worry. You won't die that way. And they're picking up, finding all the medallions, and and then the bike chase. Oh, the bike chase. The stupidest thing about the medallion thing is that if you go around and find all the medallions, they give you the it unlocks the shutter to give you the gun. But if you don't unlock the shutter to give you the gun, you just get given the gun at the end of the chapter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what about when the camera is utterly broken? When you're, I think you go outside in the garden and the tank's chasing you, and you have to get the tank to ram into that statue to move it so you can jump across to get the motorbike and the camera just forces you to look at a certain direction and it's just utterly broken it's just terrible i just mentally checked out of the game at that point i was like i'm i'm done i just had to you know i i glimped to the end um <laughs> of, of, of six i was like I'm, the, t the tank it was you know that I, something about I'm, I'm not playing metal gear solid why am i being chased by a freaking tank in a Resident Evil game, and it just took me so long. As I said, I, I did Jake, and then I, and then I just left it, and then I didn't play the game for seven years, and picked it up to finish Ada's campaign, which I've done relatively recently. I just couldn't couldn't bring myself to play the game after after the tank. It, yeah. it, it, it was soul destroying. Can we just jump to? Someone's already mentioned the bike, the vehicle segments in general. Like yeah, the tanks yes. are the starting point. But oh my god, I don't know which is worse. I mean, the bike is more or less on rails for the most part, except for like the last section. Really, yeah, park cars you can hit, isn't there? But it's... yeah, there's a few park cars, but they're not as bad. And it, obviously, it depends on who you're playing as. If you're just playing as Sherry, you're just mostly just shooting and stuff. Jake is inhumanly skills mm. uh, uh doing like 90 degree turns and not liquefying both him and sherry in just a bloody smear on the pavement or sliding through tunnels so yeah. through air ducts on a motorcycle the humvee chase with chris and piers that's i thought that was the bit that broke nick personally the uh the, I, I, he called it the mazda mx5 chase didn't he that was just as bad yeah the turbo powered jeep <laughs> And the Mazda MX-5, that's got, like, ungodly speed that's even faster than the turbo-powered Jeep. Absolutely awful visuals. Like, you know, Gran Turismo on the PS2 looked better than that um, than that sequence. It, it is woefully bad. The repetitive textures and the light sources and things like that. It looked like a PS2-era racing game of, like, low-budget quality. Yeah. But again, this is the everything-in-the-kitchen-sink approach. The jet, the jet sequence is passable, 
I want to say. It's like of all the vehicle sections, it's probably the least problematic one. And it makes sense narratively as well that Chris would, would do that. And then we've got Ada in the helicopter, which is okay. Well, you just it, you just hold fire for like thirty five minutes, don't you? That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. And the rooftop battle, you kind of go left or right. Oh yeah, because you actually fight, battle another helicopter at one point, don't you? And then you just shoot at some zombies. And then hold 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 down shoot for the T Rex battle. Retrospectively, then we've we've talked about a lot of marketing guff, and I think this game does suffer from it. Uh, we've spoken about. Near Umbrella and things like that, but the big marketing push this game was was how this game was going to appeal to every Resident Evil fan <laughs> that's, that's climatized over the past whatever it was, you know, uh, ten years prior to that. You want survival horror? You've got it. Leon's campaign. You like RE5 and RE4? You've got Chris's campaign, and. Jake's there as well. I think I think they sold Jake um, Jake and Sherry's campaign as like a pursuer. Oh yes, they did. No, you're right. Yes. Like if Nemesis, if you liked what the Nemesis was, then enjoy Ustanak's constant threat. Yes, it's, it's not scripted. It's not scripted. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, the Capcom is still at it at times. I mean, or or people, you know, whether it be the movies or something like that. You know, Village was very trailer bait, wasn't it? Some of the what they want to put in the tray anyway. But this 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 was just almost libelous what they were talking about prior to six. I mean, Leon's survival horror credentials, as you said, I think Robbie said at the beginning, he he walks a bit. I think I think it was just the fact that his main enemy is zombies. And he's in environments that are a bit more like gothic and creepy and he walks very slowly at the start in the university. <laughs> Until it's not. That's what Capcom thought was survival horror, walking. I think the fundamental thing that's under all this is exactly where the state of gaming was and what Capcom was aiming for. And this is also something that Operation Raccoon City is subject to, which was the let's go for the Call of Duty player. Mm. We need something with action. We need something with intrigue that's going to grab a new audience and grow this franchise. It was Capcom's biggest game. I don't know if they've had a staff work on a single title more than this since it doesn't really feel like it because of this disjointedness because of the changing qualities because of the, the everything in the kitchen sink approach it feels like 600 people all worked on it individually and then occasionally someone would go oh those bits join up and those two people's work kind of works here and <laughs> <laughs> we'll polish this bit over here and the cutscene team's off doing their own thing <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just put those bits in. It, it doesn't feel like someone kind of organized this lot of people to try and make a really cohesive and mm. smooth game experience. And it doesn't feel properly tested and like they rushed to meet a, a date for an audience that they didn't know even existed. But I think I think Orc, we discussed it in the last podcast actually for the, for the Orc one, it, it felt more a lot more focused than six yeah and, you know and and as a result the multiplayer is obviously a key focal point is arguably a bit more fun than six at times i, I won't say that too loud but, but i think that's it it's, it's because that was specifically made to be its own thing whereas six was kind of a bit of everything and not meant much of it done very well mm. um, and i mean I, I say that in a nutshell like probably discrediting some of the things that six does do well but i think that's the struggle for me if someone said to me list off the things that six does well 
as opposed to list off the things that six doesn't do well. I could come up with a list of things that six doesn't do very well, very easily, but things that it does well are very few and far between. <laughs> and I don't mean that to say it's a horrible experience. I, you know, actually replaying it, I had a lot of fun doing some silly stuff in it, and some of the stuff like, you know, the inter character interactions are great, but I can understand why for a lot of people it's one of those titles you don't really go back to very often. And mm. maybe, that's, maybe that's not a fair statement because I think we've all gone back to it and been surprised at some of the things we've found, but it's definitely got a reputation for a reason too. Batman, what about you in terms of the, the marketing of it? Did, did you feel let down by, by Capcom's statements? Yeah, but I think we all sort of knew at the time that, the you know, when they said, oh, Leon's is going to be survival horror, I, you know, they sort of said the same with Revelations, didn't they? It's a big return to survival horror, and maybe the first couple of chapters were, and then it just turned into action. So I don't think a lot of people were taken in by that, but I remember this sort of viral marketing thing. Was it No Hope Left? Yes. Where they made it sound like it was like a complete global outbreak and it was going to be some sort of post-apocalyptic thing, mm. which turned out to be not the case. But in terms of the marketing, I remember it was, they had some quite good stuff. You remember that little piano song they had, which was really good. Can you remember that? It had like a montage of clips of the game and it just had this little piano tune playing in the background. I'll have to try and find it. It was really quite good at the time. But it was mainly just the trailers promising so much and delivering so little in terms of, you know, you're going to learn all about Ada, but we don't, you know. Don't. And, you know, Neo Umbrella, which turns out to be nothing, that sort of thing. I think, John, you've, you've said something that just triggered that I should have mentioned before, but it's like, I think the reason why some people perhaps didn't fall for it was because of Five. No, not in a bad way, because obviously Five wasn't, well, I, I enjoyed Five, but I think we all came to realization of what five actually was. So six kind of was just like, oh, well, it's probably just going to, that's looking kind of more actiony. It's probably not being quite properly showcased in the trailers. But as I said at the start, I think even I was still shocked when the opening sequence was literally uh, included you running away from a giant fireball yeah. of vehicles exploding. Yeah. And like you say, it's, it's very superficial. It's like, oh, it is survival horror because it's set at night in the rain in a graveyard. <laughs> I mean, with the marketing, they, they, they did push it a lot. I mean, in the UK, Capcom sponsored The Walking Dead Season 1 on Channel 5. I mean, that's how, that's how long ago that came out. So it had a, had a big push, uh, certainly in this country, to get, you know, to get the sales numbers. They even had a trailer at the cinema, because I remember going to watch mm. Judge Dredd, and there was a big trailer for Resident Evil 6. Yep, I saw the same thing. It was like a, there was a launch trailer, it was like a minute long. It would look like it was made to look like a movie. That was the the, the gist of it. I think when uh, we did the first the first review, I was of the opinion that Leon's campaign was pr probably the best one. I think upon replay, and I, I'm amazed I even say this, I do think Chris's campaign is probably the best one. Not because it's you know the most survival horror or anything like that. I just think it's the most focused. I think it's it's. It's the best representation of what Resident Evil 6 does well. And it actually follows on quite nicely from Damnation with actually having BOWs in, in combat. There's something <clears> quite <throat> surreal, if you like. You know, you're in Adonia and then suddenly, you know, this Ogremon gets dropped, literally dropped in by helicopter. You're like, what the fuck is that? But it contextually, it works extremely well. And it's something that the series had been teasing us for such a long time about you know this this is what all these creatures are actually made for because you don't see them 
in yeah. action at all. And then we had Damnation. We got to see a tyrant and a couple of liquors. But even that was relatively self-contained. This was a proper war going on with the use of bioweapons. And that, I thought, yes, this is good. You know, and, and I played it with, with, with the guys uh, on multiplayer. And I had an absolute blast going through a war zone with mm. team with team members you know lots of people running around ai running around yeah it's utterly ridiculous i'm trying to lure an ogremon into electric overhead cables and shooting i mean it's utter nonsense but it was i don't know it, it just felt the most authentic for what the game was trying to portray it knew what it wanted to be and i will say as well ironically despite the fact that leon's was marketed as the survival horror campaign I actually think Chris gets the best survival horror boss in the Illusia, the snake, which I think is actually a really good set-piece boss fight. I was going to say as well, even though that whole sequence is completely scripted, but it's it's one of my favourite moments in the whole series where his squad gets picked off one by one by the snake. Yep. It's more and more frustrated and, yeah. It's really good. They use the laser sight to absolutely genius effect. Yeah. In, in using it to detect its camouflage. And I love that meme that's going around with a picture of Chris looking in rage, saying man loses entire team trying to avenge his previous team or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong though, isn't it? I mean, how many how many teams has he, has he had completely wiped out by this point? Tell me, Fear, that's the reason why you guys were surprised that the teams in Village survived. <laughs> yeah. He's finally got a solid team in the Helm Wolf squad. <laughs> competent, competent. Yeah. But yeah, talking about the snake, I, d I did like the little nods back to RE1. We had the snake, the shark, you know, that kind of thing, the hunter-type creatures, bees. So, uh, you know, in that kind of sense, there's a nice little homage. I, I sit here never noticing that before. Have you not? <laughs> no, no, but that's absolutely spot on. Yeah, there is a, a a new, you know, giant Neptune, isn't there? There is there a is. giant yeah. snake. There is bees, yeah. That's <laughs> ridiculous. There are spider creatures. It's all there. That's, yeah. that's, what that's... a perfect throwback. They even use the typewriter in there as the saving icon. It's, it's the purest Resident Evil game that's ever been made. <laughs> there is a lot of fun homages in it, though. Like the Stagler gas station and the uh, police officer you meet in Tall Oaks who's on his first day on the job, and it happens to be a zombie outbreak. Yeah, that's, that's good briefly just say the music is all around excellent and i will forever thank them for bringing back the ada love theme if you like for uh leon and ada's final glance across the building yeah mm. really good touch it is a good soundtrack and uh, and i think it's a soundtrack that's improved over time when again we're looking at the future titles re engine games have been noted by their their lack of soundtrack yeah i was gonna say i don't want to argue that the soundtracks aren't good on those it's just no yeah, they're not there's no, a good, lot yeah. of, of sparse use of them is probably i mean that's the thing i think realistically six is like a over-the-top blockbuster movie and they the soundtrack that they put in is appropriately fitting for exactly that level of bombast you know it's it's, it's supposed to be this epic actiony brilliant over the topness and the soundtrack definitely fits that style appropriately um and it's the one thing i think that it really really nails correctly for the tone that i guess was the idea you know they went from this image and went how are we going to tell the story and they wanted to tell this quite epic over the top thing and it's just unfortunate it's got all these problems and drags far too long so I think now's probably a good time we can start talking about the the legacy of the game. And we are seeing, as I mentioned earlier, we're kind of starting to see a bit of the, the a bit of a renaissance. And particularly 
the game received updates with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. And Romby, you've mentioned how um, that there's been some patches over the years, and the game is notably improved on PlayStation 4. You know, or the the, the the I say this gen, it's not anymore, is it? I'm that I'm that behind with the last gen. Which <laughs> should we say it's much better if you want to play a definitive version. Then, and then, absolutely, it's PlayStation Four or Xbox One all the way, and the Switch as well, which actually has one additional little thing, which we'll get into. The P- the PC version, as I recall, when it came out, was pretty solid, if I remember correctly. I, I wanted. Can someone correct me if I'm wrong? It, it came out later. It wasn't a launch. Yeah, it came out in 2013, um, but it did. It was it was very robust, and most PCs at the time, you didn't need a top of the range rig to run it, which was great. Um, could easily get 60 frames a second, which was a big step up from the consoles. Cause... And that's what I was about to go with, is yeah. that the, the original console releases were 30 frames, and it wasn't bad, it was fine, it made sense for the consoles at the time, but there was a noticeable difference in quality when you were playing the PC version, and then obviously the later PS4 and, and Xbox uh, One versions benefited from extra grunt, but visual improvements are very few and far between as far as I'm aware. I think if you play like the PS4 or Xbox One versions, you're basically running it on like maxed out PC settings. Yeah. That they didn't do any extra work to the game as such. They just basically, you know, ran the textures on high if the PS3 version was medium, you know. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. And um and the Switch base is basically the those same versions. Um next alluded to the sales. The original release was one of the highest selling games a decade ago and i think it sits the original release by itself sits in the eight point something million range which is really high and is kind of surprising that they did listen to the more of the critical feedback and fan response and why they changed even though the sales were so high mm. the re-release as well has sold continuously as, as nick also alluded to i think it's in the two and a half ish somewhere in that two to two and a half range on the X, xbox and ps4 releases so it's it's sold exceptionally well. It's over 10, 11 million copies. But then, you know, comparatively, later games like Villages passed, I think, 11 million by itself. Oh, no, 7, sorry, I think it's passed 11 million by itself. Village isn't far behind. The speed at which 6 got to its 8 million was quite slow. It was, it didn't, I think it was, I, I, they undersold quite a bit for a few years and then eventually caught up through sales and, and bundles and so forth. But it's kind of interesting that it kind of had legs it was not a, not a game you'd expect to have sales leagues, but yet continued to and continues to sell. It's it's interesting to see if that rolls into the kind of reappraisal of the game itself and its legacy. What's special about the six version, Sean? Well, to to begin with, as well, the the PS4 and the Xbox One version have a neat little feature in it, which auto completes QTEs for you. Oh right, yes, that, yes. If you hate them that much, you can actually essentially disable them. The Switch version goes one step further. I hope I'm right about this, and if I am wrong, I do apologize. But I think the Switch version has an additional option on top of that, where it even takes away the prompts altogether. Where the PS4 and the Xbox One versions, the prompts still come up, but you'll see the game like complete it for you. So if there is like a progress bar for having to, you know, wiggle the sticks you will actually sort of see it autocomplete it'll fill the wheel or whatever ah now there's a difference so the autocomplete qte on the ps4 and xbox only does the button pushes but the wiggling the sticks ones you still have to do oh right i think the switch version fixes that then that's right yeah 
this this is the thing that got me because I went and was like, I can't be bothered with these QCEs, so I turned it <laughs> off and I played the PS4. But then I still had to do the damn freaking doors with the sticks. It's separated because the uh, counter system that does the thing, because there's the, the the medals that you get in the game and all that sort of stuff. One of them is like correctly inputting button prompts and how many button action button prompts you've mm. done. But the sticks are separate from action button prompts because they're buttons. The sticks are like rotated by a you know stick so many times has a separate counter and they're not classed as a QTE. They're just stick wiggling. So yeah, yeah it's really stupid. But yeah, the switch, it's possible that the switch may have fixed this. I for some reason thought the QTE fixed it both, but no, it's just the buttons. Yeah, I think um I think it takes away like the actual heads up display image as well. So you just get like a, a very tidy presentation. And the switch version is a final feature. Has a costume select for the main campaign, but it doesn't apply to cutscenes, right. unfortunately. So you don't, you cannot get Pirate Leon in cutscenes, unfortunately. That'll be a storage storage issue because we pre-rendered rather than mm. real time and memory and so forth. I'm going to be slightly cynical and suggest the reason why it continues to sell well is because they changed the front cover of the artwork. Because Resident <laughs> Evil Six on Xbox and PS3 just has the the man sucking off the giraffe. And then... then why did we have to go there, honestly? <laughs> we've, come on, we've come on so far in these last 11 years. Yeah, and I was like, someone going to... Hopefully no one's going to mention this during the podcast, because it's just silly. Of course it's going to be it. Of course it's going to be fucking Nick. Yeah, then it's Nick. Anyway, yes, yeah, so the, so the cover is just the, the logo, yes. The logo, yes, thank you. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then, of course, PlayStation 4 you see the cast, and so it, it's arguably a bit more appealing. Same with Resident Evil 5 as well, I would add, because obviously they use the kind of gold edition cover, and then with Jill and Chris. Which is scandalous, because Jill's taking Sheva's place there. It is, <laughs> yes, I agree entirely. But for someone who's just getting, you know, perhaps PS4's the first console they're getting into, and they've missed all these games, it's like, oh, it's got Leon, it's got Chris, it's got, you know, you know all these people they know. There may have been some help with the change of cover, but that's just uh, it's just me with my silly views. It's possible. But I also think the price, I'm pretty sure the PS4 and Xbox versions were usually like about half the original price that's released. Here you can buy them constantly still, they print them enough that they're... They're about thirty New Zealand dollars. That's about fifteen quid. Yeah, eleven pounds on Amazon. I'm looking at right now. So very cheap. I think it's also worth pointing out as well that the game also probably gets two sales for the price of one because if like someone gets it in a sale and they go, oh, you know, do you fancy playing this co-op with me? Then theoretically, a friend or whatever might pick it up as well just to play a co-op experience. You know, I think I think co-op has it helps its longevity quite a lot because people are always looking for those sort of solid co-op experiences. And you know, for all the flaws of six in particular, you know, it still remains to be a a very good co-op experience. It's a smooth segue into our recent place. You can see on our YouTube page actually uh, we we've had a couple of uh, play- this was PlayStation Three because I don't I don't have Resident Evil Six on PlayStation Four, but I have on PlayStation Three. And it's one of these things, in 2012, I didn't particularly like Operation Raccoon City, I didn't particularly, particularly like Resident Evil 6, but I've had the opportunity now to play them as, well, Orc I played as intended and had an absolute blast. Resident Evil 6, I don't think, it is a co-op experience, but it's not in the same manner as 5, which was very much designed to be a co-op experience from the outset. I think this is probably more of a single-player campaign that they decided to add a second character in and, you know, adopt as many of the traits of five as possible. And it, it's not harmed by it, far from it, but it, it's not 
it's not built in the same intention, if you like, as five. But it is a good co-op experience. And I have to say, playing it, it, for all its stupidity and running around, I had a huge smile on my face playing it with you guys. It was such good fun, especially, especially the crawling. The back crawling was got to be one of the most surreal things I was doing. Just... Oh, that was that was so funny. The two two of us crawling around on the ground. I mean, I'm gonna say something, Nick. It's quite funny that you say this because Five actually wasn't designed as co-op when it was originally designed. That's designed, true. You know, you're right. Yeah. Which is the funniest part of it because you, I actually still do agree with you. Five feels fundamentally more designed around its co-op, but I think maybe part of that is just also the AI changes. Six's yeah. AI. And this is another thing I can give it credit for. Six's AI is actually much more fundamentally helpful than Five's. And I think that's why Six feels like you can play it without a co-op partner better than Five. And I think that's really what the difference is. I'm sure Six was intended to be designed with co-op in mind 100% because of how the feedback from Five was. But they really just focused on making sure that if you weren't playing it with mm. co-op partner, that the AI wasn't as flawed perhaps is especially on the harder difficulties the crawling yes um, Craw one of crawling my, one is of my, good fun one of my one of my favorite highlight of us rolling around on the ground but man what about you been able to get a co-op experience on this one uh no i've never played co-op on six because um i don't have any friends um but <laughs> i like when you play in single player, obviously, and you play as the alternate character, I do like the sections where you can go into completely different areas and do different things. Um, one example I always remember in Adonia is when you play as Pierce and you're on the bridge, and obviously Chris is trying to get to Finn on the bridge. If you play as Pierce, yes. you actually go into some caves and like find like a, a sniper's position to help him. So I appreciated things like that, but I would like to have a go at the co-op properly someday. Because I remember at the time Capcom made a big deal, not just of the co-op, but of the sort of four-player, where you could potentially link up with three of your mates in the crossover sections for some of the boss fights. I remember Capcom made a big deal of that at the time. Sean, you mentioned, I didn't know this was a thing until we started playing this. And to tell if listeners who aren't aware how this can happen, four-player Resident Evil. Obviously, it was a huge thing when the game first came out because everybody was playing it. So the, the chances of it happening was nearly 100% if you were playing it on like launch week or something. So what happens is in the crossover moments of the campaign, so you've got like Jake and Sherry and Chris and Piers fighting the Ogreman. Is that what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. And you've got the Jake, Sherry, Leon, Helena, uh, Ustanak fight in China. Those are just two examples I'm doing. There are more. What happens is when you reach that point naturally, the game will stop for 60 seconds. You'll just get put on a loading screen and a countdown will start. If in that point, someone else playing the other campaign has reached that section, it will link your two campaigns up. So just for that that fleeting crossover, whether it's the Ustanak fight, you know, the Ogreman fight at the beginning, or even if someone's playing as Ada, it will link up for the Deborah boss fight. It'll link you up with a uh, Leon and, and Helena player. And what will happen is it'll sync your games. The countdown will end prematurely if it's been successful. And when it resumes, you will be in a four-player environment, potentially four-player. If, if the other player's got two people, then you're in a four-player environment. And it worked. It was great. You didn't know the other people. It was often just anonymous names above you know, the other characters' heads, but you just got that sense of camaraderie. That <laughs> you're, you're in there with somebody else. 
and you tended to walk those sections because four human players obliterated yeah i was gonna say it's the same thing for the for being able to play as enemies and dropping into other people's games it's kind of fun it, it's it, it's a fleeting event because usually either you get killed so many times and it's over or you manage to kill them and it's over but it, it works and it's it, it, it's kind of an idea that i could see capcom re- revisiting and being able to do much more interesting things with what about some of the other modes in the game in terms of their longevity? We got there's a survivors, there's yeah onslaught survivor. God, I keep forgetting them as well. I've never played. I honestly, the reason I can't remember them, never played them. Yeah, the mercenaries was great though because the the combat system is genuinely such a joy. Mercs is actually amongst the series best there. I admit because it's mostly like quite large. I want to say larger spaces, if that makes sense. Like with lots of little sides and tunnels and mm. shops or whatever it is. But it's a much more open map with the sense of being able to use those things like sliding and all that sort of stuff. It kind of works. Onslaught, Survivors, Predator, Siege. Wow. Four DLC packs. And they're included in the Xbox versions automatically. And uh, the yeah, the PS4 and the Switch. Yeah. I, I, I want to point out that PS, the fact that we could still play the game on PS3 10 years later and that the other funds are all supported is a great testament to Capcom and for keeping those servers available. 100%. We're rapidly uh, coming towards the end of our discussion. What I wanted to do was talk about whether there's been a general change in attitude. And we kind of, that's how we kind of started off our discussion about wh- whether the 10 years has been kind. Do people still feel it's at the bottom of the pile, or are, are, are we seeing are we seeing that change, uh, that narrative change amongst the community and fans? Well, just purely from a personal point of view, I mean, I, I never particularly hated it in the first place. I was disappointed by it, like a lot of us were, but I never hated it, and I don't think it's aged particularly well. But given where the series has gone particularly in terms of the storyline with some of the more outlandish things we've got now. It makes this game feel a little bit more <laughs> grounded, if that's if that's possible. I mean, I, I know it's full of like ridiculous set pieces and terrible boss fights, but it's just nice to, to fight a game with, you know, monsters created by a virus and things that are like loosely rooted in science and things and characters are just so good in this. So you think it's going to get better as to, if, if RE9 goes even more outlandish? I don't think it'll ever be universally loved, but I think it'll be one of these things like, you know, it's kind of like the Alien 3 of the franchise. People will look at it 20 years down the line and think, do you know what, it's actually a lot better than what we give it credit for. It still has plenty of problems, sure, but it's it's definitely not a terrible experience. It's It's got some really good stuff in it. And I've I've enjoyed this playthrough very much, a lot more than I thought I would. I honestly thought it would be a slog to get through, but I enjoyed it a lot. I think I'm just just so happy for a lot of the character work that took place. I mean, obviously, I know I wax lyrical all the time about Sherry, but I genuinely think she was realised well. I remember when, you know, the character was first announced and everyone thought it was Ashley, hilariously. Yeah, ironically. After all those years of thinking every blonde character was going to be Sherry and then when Sherry finally does turn up, it's Ashley. (laughs) I think the way they brought... I mean, I, I rolled my eyes the first time I found out she was coming back as like a special agent i was thinking oh my god this is absolutely terrible but to the credit you know they characterized her really well and it breaks my heart in many ways that she's never been brought back in in the 10 years since 
But in counterpart to that, in almost perfect contrast to that, we've still, in 10 years since, Ada's just not moved as a character. And I just think it's still so utterly frustrating because we always said, even when it first came out, like this was Capcom's grand opportunity to lift the veil on Ada a little bit. And we, th- you know, when it announced that she was going to have her own campaign that you unlock at the end of all the others. Yeah. And, you know, everybody thought, oh, this is going to be it. And then you get the ending where you briefly for one moment see like see her walls break down as she loses her emotional confidence when she's shooting up the lab at the end. And you think, oh, this is it. You know, we're going to finally like see the real woman beneath all this cool exterior. And then the phone rings and she's just cold calculated Ada again. And like that's the closest glimpse we've still ever had to seeing like who she really is. And I just think it's it's so frustrating that they've, you know, I'm relieved they never brought her back in Village. I'm not one of those people who thought that was a good idea. I'm pleased they abandoned that because it would have just been her just simply resuming the role she's always had, yeah. which is just turn up, look cool and fuck off again. And I think at this point, like when they bring her back for whatever capacity, I mean, we're going we're gonna to see a side of her in Remake 4, but it's questionable how much they can do with that unless they're really overhauling her appearance. But we're now 10 years on from the game where we thought we were going to learn everything there is to know about her and, you know, we're all 10 years older <laughs> and we're exactly where we were. And I think that's just so frustrating. And I think that's one of the, the sort of bigger, bigger aspects of the game. If you want to talk about it as a missed opportunity is so certain characters were let down by n- not going anywhere in that game. Too many characters in resident evil six end where they start with no consequences really. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest flaws. Am I right? I'm thinking apart from Chris, Oh no, Vendetta, sorry. No one else's story has moved on since 6. No, and you have to wonder really if, if that's partly because of the, the sort of negative reception this game got. Because the characters, mm. even the new characters introduced this, like Piers, like Helena, you know, they are interesting characters and they are set up to have like future role, a future role in the series. And obviously it just never comes about that way and i i do wonder if this game had been more well received whether they would have certainly you know someone like helena because her whole storyline revolves around what happened with her sister and how she's gonna lose a job and potentially be charged by the government but in the end she gets a job back and you know she's set up to come back in the future and she never does and likewise sherry with her role in the government nothing happens and even though we're 10 years down the line now you know even in terms of series chronology we're 10 years down the line and we we haven't had any progression with even the main characters like someone like leon i know he's in vendetta but resident evil 6 is where his storyline basically stops and that's 10 years ago now and it's like that from Chris aside, it's like that for all the legacy characters. You know, we haven't heard anything from them for like eight or nine years now. And that's going to be a problem that, that Capcom are going to have to address in the next game. Wasn't one of the original concepts for Seven, like you playing as a character going into like a BOW quarantine zone and Sherry was actually going to be like in a kind of Hunnigan role? Yeah, it was something like a BOW quarantine zone. And I'm sure Sherry was going to be on the radio as support, wasn't she, or something? Something like that. Or she was the playable character and Leon was on the radio. I can't quite remember. Ah, that might be it, actually, yeah. I can't quite remember. But there was some DLC for Six planned where Claire and Terrasave were going to go into Tall Oaks before the bomb went off, but that was allegedly cancelled because of, again, because of the negative reception the game got. And it's worth pointing out that you nicely brought her into it that Claire's omission is the one thing that prevents this from being the grand reunion. 
Yeah, Claire and Jill. Yeah, yeah, and Jill. Yeah, sorry, God, God, the, the community will never forgive me for that. Now, will they? Jesus, yeah. God. Jill's like a fair point, really, because we don't get anything. And technically, if she was still in the BSAA, there's no reason why she wouldn't be on on Chris and Piers's team, or even had some contact with them at some point during that, which would have been a perfect reason to have her have even have one conversation with her involved. Yeah. But why she wouldn't be there with Piers when Piers goes to get him out of the funkies and for losing his memory. Because the files reference a lot of past characters like mm. um, like Sheva and, and even the little girl from Degeneration, but there's absolutely nothing from, from Jill. I know John and I have done this. Obviously, there's an article you can read on the website. But I know a lot of people like to play through the series chronologically. Resident Evil 6 really does stand out with poor Chris who up until the point of that game has spent his entire life putting himself at risk for everybody else, going into situations that really are against him to save somebody. And when he needs a little help, no one's there. <laughs> just no one. No one goes and looks for him. Everybody just leaves him to total abandonment, and it's only peers chancing him through a little bit of research that he's able to bring him back. And it's a bit tragic, really. Yeah. I don't think they quite thought through the fact that a character as big as Chris can just disappear for six months and no one cares. Especially considering that in so many other games, Chris is a connective tissue between so many characters who either write to him, write from him, mention looking for him. I mean, Claire went looking for him in Resident Evil 2 after he'd disappeared after literally a month and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And also his characterization doesn't. I said the same thing to Nick during now thing it's just like i don't like the um yeah he hits his head on the floor and kind of forgets stuff cool but his character becomes so different so just like angry and just runs off at the first sign of anything it, to like take it on without any thought process behind it and pierce is constantly calling him out on it it's just like it does not feel like chris as a character as he's been established in every other game up until that point it's very frustrating too i i want to i want to finish what you started this section with nick just yep you were saying about the summary of the legacy of this it's like we started at the start of this podcast talking about whether or not you know there's this current of whether or not the game is underrated or it's, it's being reappreciated i don't think it's underrated i think for all the reasons it, it has its problems but i think it's misunderstood and i think that's a much better way of putting it i don't i don't, I don't think anyone is saying it's, it's underrated is inherently wrong but i think there are justified reasons why people don't like this game or just find it very difficult to get through. But I think it's definitely more misunderstood. I think people, if they go back and replay it, if they haven't played it for a long time, will find things that are interesting or different than they expect. It doesn't mean they won't dislike parts of it or find bits of it still just as frustrating or worse, but that it's yeah, it's perhaps maybe more hated than it than it, than it perhaps deserves and that it's yeah, just been misrepresented or misunderstood. Well, you've heard what we have had to say. We've had a couple of call-ins uh, from some of our listeners. So let's hear first up from Carlos Doom GC. Let's see what he has to say. Oh, man, this fucking game. Hey, hi, this is Carlos Les Doom GC reporting in for the RE6 10th anniversary. Ecstatic is not strong enough to communicate my feelings I had before RE6 release. Me and my friends brought our PlayStation 3s at my place, and we played the whole day in co-op on separate TVs. While the first hours were fun, it quickly became stale. The game is trying so hard to appeal to everyone at once, 
but without ever bringing any satisfaction. We felt like the time it got for us was already over after Leon's campaign. I hate this game with a passion. We forced ourselves to finish it the next day and never touched it again. Yesterday I asked this very friend to define RE6 in three words. And he said, co-op, gears of war, and T-Rex. Voila. Keep up your excellent work for the Resident Evil community. Cheers. A fucking fly. A giant fly, man. I thought that was going quite well for a moment. I thought he was I thought he was reflecting on it in a really sort of positive way. And then came I hate this game with a passion. I mean, one thing we haven't really touched upon as uh, too much that he, he brings up is my god, this game is long. Oh my god. Yes. It? It's just so long. Like I actually like the fact that the current RE engine games tend to be a five to sort of ten hour experience that, that you know for someone who has limited time to play games now um they're quite refreshing to start a resident evil 6 playthrough you you're putting aside the week it's just <laughs> it's just horrendous even if you are relatively competent at the game it's still long and it and it outstays its welcome long before you get close to being finished with it the fly thing we hadn't even mentioned the last boss Try to remove it from our brains, Rob. Well, let's see. Let's let's. let's, let's, let's it's probably a question in the quiz, but let's see if we can go through all the forms. So he starts off as lion beast. <laughs> no, he he start he start he starts as human who splinters into pieces. Oh, that's right. Yeah, then he's lion beast with Gatling gun. He's like Ben Ten, isn't he? he just turns into different monsters. <laughs> um, then what what is he after that? Because he he pretty much finishes that fight in chapter four as as beast thing. And then he comes back as the T-Rex, doesn't he? The fucking T-Rex, my God. What drugs were being smoked that day? Then the fly at the top. Well, he gets the, the bigger version of the, the Rex monster because he, as he goes up the building, he kind of gets a little bit bigger. He gets to be like the dog beast thing again, doesn't he, for the Leon Ada fight, where Leon has an indestructible back because said <laughs> Gatling gun blasts him with bones. Bones, yeah. And we're all forgetting he's pretty much indestructible in fly mode, isn't he? And you have to use Pierce's electric arm thing. Completely misremembering that, Nick. That's for the Chaos fight. No! Pierce never fights Simmons. Pierce, Pierce isn't in Leon's campaign against Simmons. They, you use the lightning rod from the, that Ada knocks down from the, the, the transmission tower. When Pierce... When Pierce becomes... Nick, Nick, oh. Pierce never fights Simmons, ever. Okay, fine. I didn't make it that far. I did not make it that far. <laughs> Our host, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, yeah, Leon and Helena end up on the roof after Ada has done her helicopter stint, dropped off the helicopter and shot the tower, top of the tower off, which has embedded itself into a, to a regular zombie, which then he ingests to uh, reheal himself, but the lightning hits him, and you do that three or four times until he falls off the building and then he comes back again and leon hits him with a rocket launcher which finally knocks him off the building and he lands on a big pillar spike in the area you fought him with a t as a t-rex symbolically creating the umbrella logo <laughs> masterpiece and i think there was another form as well um, which was conceptualized but obviously cut because i've got the biohazard 6 story guide which has the complete game script 
and storyboards in and there's a storyboard sequence for this boss fight where he he looks to be like some sort of angel with like wings coming out of his back a bit like alexia's dragonfly form so i'll have i'll have to look at the text and see what it says but yeah that's definitely not in the final game but that would have made it even longer i must admit i played through leon's campaign and as soon as i got to that boss fight um i just turned it off and said i've completed it mate (laughs) (laughs) you're you're talking about the t-rex one i'm assuming no, no, I do. I did that one. It's it's after Ada fucks off. She sends Leon that message, and you get to the roof, and I'm thought, right, this is where two hours of pain starts. So I'll just, yeah, I'll turn it off. I've done it. <laughs> one last thing I wanted to, to mention. There, there was the comment about his friends, and he said, uh, what was it? Um, what was the first word he used? Co-op, Gears of War, T-Rex. Co-op, oh, yeah, co-op, Gears of it, it wasn't Gears of War. I get that. But Gears of War was already essentially inspired by Resident Evil 4, so I don't know if I can say that this is Gears of War. It's, it's repaying the favour back to you, is it, Rob? Yeah, it's kind of like... I mean, yeah, I can see it with the Adonia stuff, this kind of uncover and... Yeah, I, I feel like they admitted more that they were going for the action-based Call of Duty crowd, but obviously we're sticking to the gameplay of 4 or 5, so it kind of inadvertently becomes like Gears of War, I guess, but I don't know if that's a fair comparison, considering, you know, was it Cliffy B said you know, that was what inspired Gears of War anyway? So. Thank you, Carlos, for that call in. Uh, we now have uh, another one has come in from one of our patrons, Aaron Zed. So let's hear what he has to say. Hi, guys. Aaron Zed here from the Discord. RE6 then, Stars Tyrant. I'm here, my friend. The backup has arrived. Is RE6 a mess? Well, yeah, it is a mess. But what a wonderful mess it is. It's a game that Capcom needed to get off their chest, and they did. I've always been a defender of RE6, I hold it in a higher regards to most, but I do see the flaws, you know, the awful camera changes in the running sections, especially with Jack and Sherry, the BOWs, especially the shout out there to Simmons and the big bee monster that takes an eternity to kill, the mess that is the storyline, it's just a bit too much, isn't it? The fact that none of the characters grow from the first scene to the last, like Leon is just the same throughout but still and you may think i'm mad it's a hell of a game it's the most fun a resident evil game has ever been and nothing screams resident evil quite like quick shotting a zombie in midair while no scoping with the sniper rifle or firing your pistol while jumping or sliding <laughs> roundhouse kicks anyone some of the character work here is fine and actually goes under the radar pierce helena and jack are good new additions to the stories and solid if anything else jack being a character that I hope they revisit in future titles. But I will say that the Wesker thing is a bit of a waste. I've not really got enough time to go into it, but yeah, it just seemed a bit like for the sake of it. Leon is back on form after a miserable outing in four. Um, Chris is Chris, but just a bit, yeah, drunk. Ada's campaign is interesting to say the least, and Sherry, well, behave yourself, Sean. She's great. What a missed opportunity not to bring her back after 10 years, but maybe someday she'll be there. I've probably gone over my time as per usual, but I want to quickly say that I've put a serious amount of hours into the mercenaries mode. It's a marvellous chaotic game and honestly, nothing will beat it. It's so much fun. There's nothing better than the sliding, the jumping, the kicking and the unbridled chaos that is Resident Evil 6. So I'll sign off by saying this, embrace the madness folks. Thanks very much. Very good, very good. Aaron, um, your check from Sean is in the post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, I just thought I was listening to Sean again. 
Yeah, it's it's some fair, some fair, some different fair calls in there for sure. He's obviously a fan of the, of the sliding mechanic we've we've spoken about and the, the the general fun. I think, and ultimately, this is a video game. It is suppo- you are supposed to enjoy it. You are supposed to get something out of it from like, the gameplay point of view, and it succeeds just about. I think. I mean, I don't think it's as fun as Aaron Orshaw make out, uh, but. <laughs> You know, it's got its moments. I I had the moment which I, I I posted in the Discord because it, for me it was like an action movie moment that completely happened at Fluke, and I saved it because it was so funny. It was in the mine section with Leon and Helena, and I was on a platform and I went to jump off, and obviously it creates an automatic scene of you jumping onto the next platform, and it just so happened that either Helena shot. Or it got exploded by a creature, one of the ones that was wearing a bomb, right while I jumped. And it looked like Leon was leaping from a massive explosion. <laughs> it was completely unscripted, but it looked like a, a scene out of an action movie. It was hilarious. And I was just like standing there after just going, did that just happen? What? What?" My first was like, what blew up? And then, did that just happen? And it's that. I guess that's kind of like that in a nutshell. There's these unscripted action moments where you can hit an enemy out of the air and slide under them and all this sort of chaos that I'm sure in the moment as Sean kind of alluded to when you get in the rhythm can can really get into but I think for a lot of people that's not what they're wanting (laughs) (laughs) John any comments from Aaron's calling no I think he makes some very good points it's uh, I pretty much agree with with everything he says Um, yeah the game's got plenty of flaws but you know it's a fun experience and if you're willing to invest the hours and learn how the bloody inventory works and and learn all the new sliding techniques and things with the controls then yeah it's it's going to be fun compared to you know the static controls of some of the other titles um but yeah i agree with his points but he's right about the characters you know the new characters helena and jake i keep going back to jake he's far better than he's got any right to be in this because it's such a ridiculous idea having wesker's son i mean i remember at the time we all we all said well why can't it just be alex wesker because in theory alex wesker should have the the same special blood type that Albert had, but does he? Well, does she? No, but do, no, but does does Albert actually have special blood? Oh yeah, because it's been inherently passed down onto Jake, hasn't he? It's no, it's mentioned in the file profile in six about Albert Wesker that he does. I just wasn't sure was that ever a part of because he he was he was picked for the Wesker program. I didn't think it was actually down to blood. Well, he, had a, he just had a he just had a natural blood type that rendered him immune to most viruses, which is why he could adapt to the special experimental oh, T virus. And obviously, this this has been handed down to Jake. But in theory, because because Alex Wesker also survived the experimental virus, then in theory, she should have the same, or very similar at least, special blood. But was was that an RE6 adding to Albert Wesker that he had special blood? Well, I'd say confirmed, I suppose. I mean, no one really put together. I don't think there was any indication that he was immune to most viruses. Mm. RE6 sort of brought that in, but we always knew there was something special about him because obviously, you know, because of what happens to him. But there was no reason why this couldn't have been Alex Wesker and everyone had these. I remember the forums were loaded with all kinds of things about Alex Wesker possibly working with Simmons and all this. And I remember the first time I played through six and obviously each campaign has its own antagonist. You've got the Eustonac for Jake and Sherry, Simmons for Leon and obviously Carla Radomir for Chris. But when you get to the end of chapter four for each character, 
all of these respective antagonists are supposedly dead. So I thought chapter five was going to be a complete curtain pull and we were going to have Alex Wesker and all kinds of revelations, but no, they just brought all the dead characters back again. Chapter five for each character really is where this game goes downhill. I mean, yeah, I think I agree with you, Rob. Um, Jake and Sherry's campaign is the weakest, but Leon's is pretty solid up until the end of chapter four. And likewise mm. with Chris, that undersea drilling oil rig thing at the end is just completely underwhelming. Mm. And Leon chapter five starts all right. I actually like the the start where you have to outrun the gas. And when you get a lift in the BSA Jeep and you're just driving through the fog, I quite like that. But it's just obviously when you get to the prologue where you've got to outrun that explosion and get on the helicopter, it just it just gets ridiculous from there. What I just don't get about that fog thing is just the convenient pockets of non-gas that you just happen to walk through or get through until you get into a vehicle and then how it doesn't seep into the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Somehow. It's a bit bit overly convenient for me. <laughs> gives gives some interesting visuals, but yeah. I I knew Aaron had have my back, guys. <laughs> there he was, and he's and he he rightfully uh, chews me out for Sherry, but it's, it's it is what it is. I will say though, in response to sort of you know Aaron Aaron calling you know back up and all that, we've been pretty fair on six. I think I think it's been quite a warm, quite a warm episode so far. Um, I agree with his, all his points about the characterization and things like that. The game is just ridiculously fun to play. I think now, with the benefit of hindsight, I think we've sort of touched upon this a little bit. Is that ultimately it's a harmless sort of title now, isn't it? But when when it when it's all it was, when it was like the current, the current title, I think there was a sense of disappointment that, like you know, if we come here, but now like the dust has settled and it's kind of irrelevant. You know, he he alludes to something I said earlier that it was a game that Capcom needed to get out of the system. And now they mm. kind of have things feel fine. Mm. It still has its occasional missteps, and I, I think at its worst, remake three is closer to RE six than maybe people realise in mm. terms of silly set pieces and overblown drama and things like that. But for the most part, the RE engine era is a better place for it for six existing. Ironically, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I have nothing to disagree with Aaron. Thank you for your call in. <laughs> I th I think we're in this place where, and it's what you guys have both alluded to throughout the night, John and Sean. Like, if six had been critically better received for what it is, where the franchise would have gone would be a lot different, and we're not necessarily know whether or not that would be good or bad, because I guess if it was inherently better received, then it would have been a better game. If you know what I mean, like you'd you'd think that if it's better received, then it would have been doing things right, and we would have just seen more of those right things rather than perhaps more of the wrong things. And the fact that it was such a course correction was because they realised, yep, kind of missed the mark on that one a bit. Let's go back and revisit where we need to go with this franchise. So it's kind of hard to predict where it would have been if it had gone well anyway. So the fact that it's kind of gone in this path and we we're all happy with, well, mostly all happy with where it's gone since. Thank you, Aaron. Our final call-in comes from uh, Death the Pursuer, your rival on Reverse, Stars, Aaron. Greetings all, Death the Pursuer here, looking back on what I like to now call Michael Bay's Resident Evil. Ten years ago, a 19-year-old Death the Pursuer was actually quite excited for this game and didn't really know any better. 
there are some aspects of this game that I do enjoy, like the gameplay. Some of the most fun gameplay mechanics in the series for me. Playing through Mercenaries, which is always a blast, and some of the campaigns, like the first half of Leon's, Chris's story, and playing as Ada. On the opposite side of that, you have some of the things I don't like, like the fact that each campaign suffers from some form of extra padding, like just certain portions just drag on and on. The game's enemies I've never really been too keen on, more specifically the C-Virus mutations like the Cocoons or Chrysalis, what comes out of those. Never been too fun to fight against. You also have the Juavo and their mutations like the Grasshopper or the Spider or just turning them into more like bullet spongy enemies. It's never really been fun for me. On the flip side of that, you have some of the enemies that I actually do like, which happen to be bosses like Ustanak, See-Through Yawn, Dino Crisis slash Monster Hunter Simmons and Ectomorphicon Simmons. Shout out to anybody who actually gets that reference. In closing, this is a game that a lot of people consider a very, very low point in the series, but it is a low point in the series that we all have to kind of live with at this point and acknowledge and look back on, especially when we're talking about the rise and fall and rise again of Resident Evil. You can't talk about the resurgence of Resident Evil without bringing up this game and what it did to put Capcom in a position to where they had to pivot to bring the series back around to its survival horror roots and pretty much everything else we got afterwards going forward. Happy 10, Ari six and thank you for being the avalanche causing qte having dumpster fire that you were and still are sagely sagely from death i would suggest yeah do you know what i found interesting about the call-ins generally uh, has been we're all echoing the same thoughts mm. pretty much it, it it goes to show how ironically more unified the game has made us now than it did at the time you know, and if you want to talk, Nick, about like how, you know, in, in terms of it being a retrospective that this episode is, I think we do look back on it favorably, but not necessarily to do with the game itself, but more the legacy it left on the series and the fact that it, it promoted change in a positive way, but not because it itself was great, because it was the remedial action that needed to happen as a result of it. And I think people appreciate it in that sense that at some point, inevitably, every franchise gets to that jump the shark moment. And I think RE6 was Resident Evil's. And I think we're all the call-ins ourselves. We've all hit that same conclusion tonight. And I think that's fascinating. I agree. Uh, unless we've all been beaten to death by, by this game. It's, oh, no, I can't. I give up. Yes, it's fine. It's great. I'm going to go to bed. You know, it, it's... Uh, no, I, I, I think that's true. I think we've all tried to emphasise some of the good points because there are, you know, some elements here. If, if the game was half the length, uh, and Death mentions it, there is a lot of padding in this. There's, there's whole chapters you could probably get rid of. Yeah, absolutely. Every, every campaign could do to lose a chapter. Easily. Leon Chapter 3 could go... You know, going through them underground ruins is just pointless. But it leaves that nasty impression. That's the problem, doesn't it? You get to you get to the point where you're going, I just don't want to play it anymore. And, you know, it kind of wears you down by the end. And, you know, especially if you're a fan of the series, you, you do want to finish it. You can't, you can't not. It's funny because when, when we were coming up towards this episode, and I think we were all kind of making jokes about revisiting it and stuff, but one of those things that does hold true to me, the, one of the reasons why I would sit there and just go, oh, I don't want to, is just thinking about the length of it. It's thinking about just how much padding and how long it's going to take and just be like, oh, I don't, do I really want to sit through all this again? <laughs> and, like, and John's 
classically just said, oh, I got to the the rooftop of the Leon thing. Was like, right, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> like, done it. <laughs> I've, I, I, as far as I'm finished it, you know, because that's literally the last bit that's left. Sorry, I'm just going to change the subject. I'm going to steal that Michael Bay's Resident Evil for that video I was talking about earlier and title it that because that's for that explosion I had. That's totally it. Michael Bay's Michael Bay uh, Resident Evil by Michael Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Explosions by Michael Bay. Thank you, Def. Thank you, Def. Thank you to everyone who's called in. There was just one final thing before you conclude, Nick. And I suppose I'm going to just bring John in on this one. Because I get the feeling that when they introduced this plot point, they were going for a Patriots-level twist on Resident Evil. Are they ever going to do anything with the family, do you think? Because it was like this supposed to be this absolutely massive groundbreaking addition to the law, and my God, has it not gone anywhere? Yeah, it was just utterly ridiculous, wasn't it? I think the only resolution we got was, uh, yeah, Simmons is gone, so we've elected a new leader, and we're off now. Bye. <laughs> and and then uh, yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's cool. Because again, it, was, it just it didn't bring anything to the series, did they? No, but you got the impression that they were going to that this was going to be the direction that. I guess if it had been received better, then the next game might have explored that. But then again, we're seeing history almost repeat itself with the connections, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. As you said, the, the family are very much like the Patriots, so I think it's probably the best The best thing they ever did was not follow Metal Gear Solid 2. The thing is, though, Nick, you, you know the leader of the family is Brandon Bailey, don't you? Of course he is, yes. <laughs> <sighs> Deary me. Secreted by the clone of Albert Wesker. Dun, dun, dun. Don't. <laughs> on that note, then. Bert, by the way, his name's Bert. Bert is Bert, absolutely. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> oh, Bert Whisker. Thank you, everyone, for your call-ins, and that brings our RE6 ten-year retrospective to a close. What a, uh, as Sean said, what a fascinating discussion. Actually, um, I think it was quite balanced. I think we kind of covered all the negatives, but also look, tried to emphasize some of the positives that it it does bring to the franchise we hope you have enjoyed it and we now move on to the season finale oh yes of neptune's biohazard quiz 25 years of resident evil 10 years of the resident evil podcast Expert knowledge is needed in what we call the quiz. This is my only opportunity for a point this week. Uh, I'd just like to announce everybody that uh, this is zero points for me this week. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. We've talked about the games straying too far from the origins. This Resident Evil quiz. <laughs> We're now getting Spice Girls as the correct answer. I mean, it's time to quit. Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Jesus what? Christ. What <laughs> <laughs> question is that?
Exception Biohazard Quiz. Welcome, welcome. But before we start the quiz, we have a complaint. Oh, yes. Despite being absent from the last quiz, the Batman, that's you, John, need to ensure 100% accuracy with the quiz questions. So uh, uh, sometimes in the heat of the moment, REP can make some slight errors with the questions. The two dog tags you pick up in the outbreak were from the Hellfire chapter and not from the Hive. So thank you, John, for pointing that out to me. Post, I'm ashamed I didn't know that. Oh, I mean, I did know that, but never picked up on it at the time. So I apologise to everybody. As a sort of outbreak player back in the day, I I, I should have called that out, and I, I, it went on, it went below my radar, and I'm ashamed. And I offer <laughs> I offer penance. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll leave you alone for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, back to back to a normal regime. We have five questions, so clear your desktops. Let's go. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You mean normal regime is and one of these questions will inevitably be wrong then? It's possible. Yeah. It's very possible. <laughs> if this is, can you please name certain BOWs in Resident Evil 6? Can I just pass now, please? No, no, I, I was very tempted, but I did not. Here we go. Right, question number one. Name the three types of rounds for the grenade launcher that you can find in Resident Evil 6. There's three types of rounds for the grenade launcher. What are they? Question number two. In what suburb of Langshang did the C-Virus bomb explode? Question number three. A welcome return of the odd one out round. I did think about this one as to avoid a comical mistake. So odd one out. The Whopper, the Shrieker, the Sea Zombie, or the Rascal Plangy? Again, please. Again. These are all RE6 POWs. The Whopper. The Shrieker. The Sea Zombie. Sea Virus Zombie. Or the Rascal Plangy. So, which is the odd one out? You assume you're wanting odd one out and why? Pre preferably, yeah. Yeah. You might get half if you get the right one. Right. Question number four. Which character from Mahara Desire is supposed to be in Lang Shang observing the events unfolding? Mm, I don't know his full name. No. Will you take half a point? <laughs> I may, I may. We keep looking for him. We can never find him. <laughs> and finally, a question from Why So Many Among Us from our Patreon. What is the stated goal of Project Ada as shown on the computer screen? <sighs> yes, yes. There's a little moment where it pops up and it tells you what it is. So they're the five questions. Let's go straight to the answers. When you start to play Resident Evil 6 You hammer the buttons and wiggle the sticks To punch or to shoot or to jump or to kick You hammer the buttons and wiggle the sticks I'm screaming at Leon because he's so thick His spatial awareness is that of a brick The camera keeps jerking, it's making me sick So hammer the buttons and wiggle the sticks What's with these controls? Are they taking the mick? No, hammer the buttons and wiggle the sticks Just give me some options, a tactic to pick No, hammer the buttons and wiggle the sticks These damn cute QTEs happen too bloody quick I'm tired of shaking the analog stick If the camera keeps jerking I'm gonna be sick So hammer the buttons and wiggle the sticks Hammer the buttons and wiggle the sticks How well has everyone done? So question number one was Name the three types of rounds you get in the grenade launcher Batman, start us off please Oh god, um, I, I don't know I'm just gonna have to say Acid, flame and explosive Acid, flame and explosive Okay 
Starstone. I think it's flash grenade and acid. Okay, uh, Rombi. Uh, explosive acid and nitrogen is correct. Oh. Yes, the full point to Rombi there. Great, half a, half a point for uh, Batman. You got two out of the three there, so well done to you. But a uh, full point to Rombi. Good start. When I meant when I said grenade, I meant explosive. Nick. Come on. Uh, well, that's that's great. I can't read your mind. Uh, question at number two is in what suburb of Langshang did the sea virus bomb go off uh, Rombi did you know this one I could not remember it's in the cutscene when it happens mm. and they keep saying it and you know but nope stars Kuchang Batman I think it's Tai Chi Tachi or something Tachi oh, Tai Chi <laughs> yeah Tai Chi <laughs> uh, correct wow oh. What? I was gonna, I was gonna make some jokes about going to the, get some power converters. <laughs> Am I wrong? It's Tachi. It is what? correct. What the fuck's Q Cheng then? That's I don't know. The game. That that's the earlier outbreak. That's oh. the one I didn't know. But I, Nick was talking about the one where the, where the where the uh, missile hits. Oh, where well, the Ace of Spades or whatever. Oh. Yeah, that's that's Fucking the first game. one. You betrayed me. Yeah. <laughs> I think Sherry says it's the Ku Cheng building where Simmons is waiting for them. Huh. Uh, John. Yeah, fuck you. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three was the odd one out. The Whopper, the Shrieker, the Sea Zombie and the Rasclapanji. Rombi, what did you what did you go for? I'm going with the Shrieker because the way it runs away from you and all the others attack you. But that could be any, it could be anything, Nick. It could be, it could be, okay, okay, fine, um, Batman? Um, well, this sounds too obvious, but I'm just going to say the Rasclapanja, because the other three are zombie variants, and the Rasclapanja is a complete mutation species. Okay, Star's turn. I'm going to say the Whopper, because it's a brand that you can buy and eat at Burger King. <laughs> because it's one of your fucking questions, Nick, and there's no point trying to think about it logically in the sense of it being a Resident Evil question. It's Rasclapanje was the one I'd got down, but I know it's wrong because of some arbitrary bullshit that we won't have thought about. Uh, ye of little faith, it is the <laughs> Rasclapanje. Thank um, you. <laughs> for the precise reason that John gave. It's not a zombie, yeah. Whereas the other three are. Yes, but did you, did you have that, Sean? Because I did up a Russell Panjo down for that reason, but I did was you? thinking, I just thought Whopper, Burger King, he's going to have some sort of nonsense like the others are going <laughs> to have been fast food things. See, and... this is what you've done, Nick. This is what you've done. <laughs> Controversy strikes again. I, was gonna, I thought you were going to come out and say, because, oh, the Whopper, the Shrieker, and the Rascal Panjo were Burger King burgers that you could buy in China. <laughs> 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 the sea zombie sea virus zombie obviously isn't it was right there in front of you everybody yeah. oh, I feel I'm misrepresented anyway <laughs> <laughs> question number four so points there to stars and Batman uh, question number four was what character from Mahara Desire is supposed to be in Langshang observing the event Star Siren. I only know his first name and it's Ricky <laughs> <laughs> That's a UK joke. 
<laughs> no one outside the UK is going to get that. I can't remember his surname, and it's going to kick. I'm going to kick myself when I'm when I hear it because I should know it, but I can't. It's not coming to me. Rombie, did you know? No idea, and I don't even get the Ricky joke either. So <laughs> I'm just clueless today. Did you have Ricky? No, I I had no idea. <laughs> you had I'm no idea. I didn't get Sean's reference at all because I'm not from the UK. Batman. Um, Ricky Tawaza or Tawaza or something. Is correct. Yes. So uh, Ricky Tazawa. So for the uninitiated, he should be somewhere taking pictures of Chris uh, when Chris pushes the reporter's camera away, isn't it? Correct. Yes. Uh, I remember you guys talking about this at some point. It's how Mahara Desire ends. Yeah. The character wasn't. I don't think you guys mentioned the name, perhaps, but I do remember this now. You mentioned that he was supposed to be there. And he's not, because you go looking for him, he's not there. It's all that build-up in the horror design. <laughs> the exclusive tie-in to Resident Evil 6 that came out 18 months after the game had finished, after the game had come out. Uh, finally, question number five is, what is the stated goal of Project Ada, as shown on the computer screen? Batman? Uh, I'm... I don't know. It's something about birthing a new organism via a chrysalid, but I don't know what the exact wording is. Okay, start starting. The world will burn in an inferno of hate. I have no idea. Rombi? No idea. I mean, it was just recreating Ada, so I have no idea what the concept was, what it says. I'm going to give it to Batman there for the point. It's to create a new life form from a chrysalid state. So there we go. So what? So what is it? What is what is rising its hand out of the crystal is? Well, who knows? It's Ethan. Ethan's hand. It's <laughs> <laughs> just another Ada clone. Just another Ada clone. It's Ark. I was waiting. I was waiting for that. <laughs> it's me, Ark. And she'd carry on fucking shooting, wouldn't she? <laughs> Batman, you win the quiz with an impressive four and a half out of five. Congratulations. Oh, right. Lovely, up. thank you. In second place with one and a half is Star Star. And, <laughs> thank you. And uh, our usual winner, uh, this time at the bottom, is Ron B with one. I always always do terrible on these finales. I always do. I don't know why. But there we go. Well, there we go. So the winner of the act of this specific quiz is Batman. But of course, this is the season finale. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so anyone can, can win. Yeah. <laughs> anything can change. It's non-canon corner, isn't it? No, no, no. George Trevor's going to somehow win, and he's not even here. <laughs> <laughs> Burger King burgers, come back. <laughs> now, normally we have a bit of an over-elaborate end-of-season quiz, but not this season. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. This is going to be a last-man-standing quiz question. It's mm. a very, very simple question. We've had oh, these stars. I can see where this is going. Yeah, we've had these stars before. Um, so I'll ask the question, and then um, we'll go with Batman because he won the last quiz, and then stars, and then Rob. You'll give me an answer, and you've got three seconds to give me an answer, and then whoever's the last person still in the game wins the quiz. So it's a bit like when okay. we did all the Hunter variants, I think, and buy. Yeah, this is cool. I like this, Nick. I like yep. this. Good. So everyone is in it, and it could also mean we have a, a joint season winners, which is exciting. Now, I've been saving this question for a long time <laughs> because it's so easy, but it's brilliant at the same time. Okay. So, name all the canon playable characters in the Resident Evil. Yes. 
So, by that means, someone, let's, for example, so uh, someone like Lady D, she's a canon player. She's actually playable, but she's not playable in a yeah. canonical story mode, should we say, because you can only play in mercenaries. So we need all the canon. All right, okay, I'm with you, yeah. So you, it's like story only stuff. Story only. So name all the yeah, okay. canonical playable characters in the RE series. Starting with Batman. Go! Chris. Yes. Sean. Uh, Leon. Yes. Rob. Jill. Yes. It's exciting, this, isn't it? Um, Claire. <laughs> yes. Ada. Yes. Rob. Rebecca. Rebecca. Yes. Sherry. Yes. Billy. Yes. Jake. Yes. Ark. Oh, yes. Helena. Yes. Yep. Ethan. Ethan, yes. Sheva. Sheva, yes. Josh. Oh, yes, very good. Carlos. Carlos, yes. Um. One. Richard. <laughs> One. Come on, Sean, two. Oh, sorry, Krauser. Oh, very good, yeah, yeah. I, th I didn't realize, I thought you were, I was waiting for the name call, sorry. Oh, sorry, Rob, go. Uh, Piers. I heard after you went, um, did you say Piers? Yes. Yep. Um. One. Two. Fuck. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> John! <laughs> oh, John, my friend, you're out! That was three seconds. Sean, you're in. It's just between you two now. We've got loads. Moira. Moira, yes. Rob. Somebody, somebody who said Ada? No? Yes, I did. Oh, did I you? I did, I did. Eight. No, right, did. Oh, yes, you did, yeah. I two. Uh, oh, fuck One. me, I'm running out. Two. Three. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling now. Gone. Oh, my days! Probably, probably millions, I'm just not even thinking. Because I'm trying to remember which ones that haven't, haven't been said. That is the fucking problem. Uh, Bruce, Song Ling, Barry. Oh God, Barry! All the outbreak characters. Oh, poor performance indeed. Poor performance indeed. And you accuse me of doing silly questions. Steve Burnside. That would have been a good one. <laughs> yeah. And Parker. Parker. Parker yeah. yeah, of course. Zoe. Mia Clancy. Fucking hell. Joe, Rose, Bruce, yeah, Strong Ling, yeah. Yoko, Mark, George, Kevin, Cindy, Alyssa, David, Jim, Parker. Keith. You're alright, Nick. We were shit. <laughs> Barry. Barry. Uh, Natalia. Yeah. Wesker. We missed Wesker. <laughs> we also missed 387. Oh, dear. And, uh, amazingly, and Ingrid. Oh, if you're talking Maiden. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. There we go. So, congratulations, Stars Tyrant. You are this season's winner. <laughs> <laughs> 
of Neptune's biohazard quiz. Congratulations. <laughs> That's scandalous, and I say it even as a victor. That's absolutely scandalous. Oh, I feel ashamed. I really do. I love those kind of questions, though. Do more of them, please, Nick. They are great. Join us next season for Neptune's biohazard quiz. Coming up next, and what a way to kick off Season 8. That's right, it's 20 years since Resident Evil Zero graced the Nintendo GameCube. So we're taking a look back in one of our special Happy Birthday podcasts. That's right, the team will be going through the game from beginning to end, showcasing our tips and tricks and our experiences through train, the management training facility, and then finally the labs. So there we are. So plenty to look forward to. And there'll be some changes to our, uh, some of our socials, so keep an eye out for that as well. Thank you everyone who's called in and contributed, and uh, it's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Stars Tyrant. And goodbye from me, Rombie.